The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Google, play WFAN. Danielle McCartney. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The fan. WFAN. Good evening, New York sports fans. I am Danielle McCartney. Drive time, Danielle? Maybe a lot of you guys are still commuting home from work or navigating your way through traffic in and around this city of ours. And maybe you're out doing your civic duty on this election day 2021. I've got a sticker that says I voted. So does Paul Rosenberg. We are coming to you live from the Boomer and Geo studio here in lower Manhattan. The good news is we'll be talking all things New York sports through 11 p.m. over the next couple of hours. And you guys know that number. It's already pre-programmed into your phones. 877-337-6666. And as always, please load them up with your best content only. Paul Rosenberg came through with an assist at uh, 9.20 p.m. tonight with the NFL's trade deadline. A hot commodity is Ralph Vacchiano, and he's the NFL insider for SNY and SNY TV. He covers the Jets and the Giants. As you know, he'll be joining us at 9.20 here on WFAN. Goes out to you, Jet fans. Jets are the champions of Week Eight. We are the champions. We are the champions. That's right. No time for the Cincinnati Bengals. The Jets are the champions of Week Eight. Of Week Eight. Hopefully, Jets fans, you enjoyed your victory Monday, mostly because in looking at that schedule, I don't really see many of them remaining. Any more wins, that is. Maybe none at all. But, but hey, let's be positive here. The Jets beat the Bengals. They are the champions of Week 8. They are the talk of the NFL for a good reason. Sunday, while I was live on air with you, I felt as though I was watching and live updating you on a Jets Super Bowl victory. A team that no one gave the chance to win that game, including me, for sure. I'll own up to it. That game ended in a Mike White engineered come-from-behind victory with less than four minutes remaining that stunned the then first place in the AFC North, Cincinnati Bengals. One of my favorite parts of the game was watching a kerfuffled Joe Burrow slamming his helmet on the bench on the sideline on more than one occasion. Yeah, the Jets' defense doesn't do that to many opposing quarterbacks, but when it does, it surely selects the one that's leading the first-place team, obviously. One of my friends, a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan, wanted me to publicly thank the Jets for her on that huge upset victory. You know, I even had a caller right before the game started on Sunday asking, what do you expect out of Mike White today? I said, well... Based on the fact that the game plan to let Zach Wilson become comfortable during the opening drive, which is ridiculous in and of itself, I expect a ground-centric philosophy today. That's what I said on Sunday. I mean, I, I, I wasn't wrong. I mean, Michael Carter had the best game of his entire, very short, seven game career, 172 yards on 24 total touches and a touchdown. So... Let's go ahead and declare it for all of the Jets fans out there. Hear ye, hear ye. The Jets have won their 2021 Super Bowl. 
So it's B-Y-O-T-T, Jets fans. Bring your own ticker tape. Start cutting strips of paper out and hoarding the paper that you put through your paper shredding machines in your offices, or maybe your offices at home. I am going to host a Jets victory ticker tape parade right outside the studio that will last for exactly one short city block. But it can't be lame, so start collecting your paper goods and get ready for it. And we're going to crown Mike Effin White the Jets' 2021 Week 8 Super Bowl MVP. Why not? It's what the fans want. All 67,503 of them, okay, maybe not all of them, but that was the total attendance for Sunday's game, were chanting, Mike White, Mike White. And he, with his family and friends in the stands, told the gathered reporters after the game that he did a double take, and he asked himself, were they chanting my name? Yes, sir, and so will everyone at the parade when I crown you the 2021 Jets Super Bowl MVP right out there on the street. All right, enough. The Jets are not going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon, and there might not be many wins left on their future schedule for 2021. I mean, maybe zero. But this is something that Jets fans can be genuinely happy about. So let them have it, will you? In all seriousness, Mike White's performance on Sunday was outstanding and even historic, you might add. 405 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, there is total belief in him in that locker room. So just listen to what his teammates were publicly saying about him both before and after Sunday's victory. For example, Sheldon Rankins. He said Mike White's performance was, quote, special to watch, end quote. I mean, it was if you were wearing green, or technically black, Bengals defensive end Sam Hubbard, who logged only five tackles on Sunday, was absolutely shell-shocked by Mikey and the Jets. He said, this is a quote, he said, about the loss, I guess, it still doesn't seem real. LOL. Yes, sir, the Jets will do that to you every once in a while. But for further and final confirmation that the New York Jets absolutely love and adore Mike White, let me bring you via the New York Jets into the locker room when Robert Sala presented Mike White with the game ball on Sunday afternoon. That was absolutely awesome. I just got one freaking game ball. 405 yards passing, three touchdowns. <laughs> that sounds to me like a locker room that loves their guy. Beautiful. It's a special moment for sure. And the Jets are hoping to build upon that special moment and make it two special moments in maybe one week as they travel to Indianapolis to take on the five and uh, three and five Colts on the national stage. Thursday night football. Who are playing in that game with a Carson Wentz that's really on thin ice there in Indianapolis. I mean, really. You haven't heard... The calls to the bench, uh, uh, Carson Wentz from your homes here in the tri-state area. If you really listen out your windows at nighttime, you don't hear him. Because in the Colts' overtime loss to the Titans on Sunday, he threw an awful pick six and another bad interception in an overtime period. And the Indianapolis star writer, his name is Greg Doyle, he wrote, quote, the Carson Wentz experiment was fun while it lasted, wasn't it? Question mark. End quote. I wouldn't be surprised if rookie backup and now the only other quarterback on that roster, Sam Eilinger, will get his first NFL action Thursday night. But 
don't be too excited, Jets fans. Did you not just witness what happened at the Meadowlands this past weekend? When Robert Sala was asked if Mike White was going to start over Joe Flacco in this week's game, he said, yeah, he's starting Thursday. I'll have my official analysis of that game and my score prediction coming up a little later in the show. But I must say, I did nail the Bengals score right. Right on the money, actually, last week. But not the Jets. Nobody. And I mean, nobody saw that coming. So cut me some slack. I But what I liked from this Jets team this past weekend, you know, I liked a lot of it. And you know, if you're a fan of the show, that I've been calling for these two line items for a long time. A, Mike LaFleur to call plays from the booth. Up in the booth. It finally happened. I wondered aloud in my opening monologue on Sunday if because Zach Wilson had no chance to play in the game, the Jets would move him up to where, in my opinion, he belongs. And yes, to my delight, there was Mike LaFleur in the booth. And I do not believe for one single second that it was a coincidence that with LaFleur off the sidelines, the Jets output their best offensive performance to date this season. I mean, we're talking 156 more yards of total offense from their next highest total. Good job. Stick them back up there on Thursday night and for the rest of the weeks of this season and beyond. And then B, Robert Sala finally, finally elected to receive the opening kickoff. I was driving home from my show on Sunday and listening to the Jets postgame show, and Sala was asked about the timeline of his decision to choose to receive the ball. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that the thought process was defer, defer, defer until it was right up until the moment and it was all of a sudden receive. Good. I'm glad that he's changing it up, especially since he said right before that bye week that he wanted to see the Jets take off faster at the beginning of games. I paraphrase. Those are my words. But one way to do so is to take the ball and put some points on the damn scoreboard. Remember when I pleaded and I said, Robert Sala, you are not playing with the 85 Bears defense. Stop putting your team and your rookie quarterback in a position to have to play from behind every single week. And finally, Robert Sala listened. And finally, the Jets have a nice win that they can really, really be proud of. And can they continue it in in about 48 hours' time? Well... Let's see. I got my pick coming up for the Jets. Yep, that's my girl Carrie Underwood. Boy, the Giants blew it. And I am sure that they would love to undo what happened last night on Monday Night Football. The temperature at Arrowhead Stadium was 39 degrees when Harrison Bucker kicked off the opening football to the New York Giants receiving unit. And he put them on ice from 34 yards out with one minute and seven seconds remaining in the game. For all of you guys saying that this was going to be a complete blowout, well, you were wrong. I knew it was going to be a close game. Although my score prediction was a little bit off and I did have the wrong winner, I had a margin of victory of four points. It ended up being three. However, no matter how many points a team loses by, whether it's one point or two points or three or 33 or 103 points, it doesn't matter 
A loss is a loss, and the Giants have now racked up six of them this season. And as a result, they have among the worst records in this entire league. This loss to this downtrodden shell of itself Kansas City Chiefs team was absolutely inexcusable. The Giants got the Chiefs at the right time, and they could not do anything with their good fortune. What do I mean by that? Well, for example, coming into this game, the Chiefs allowed 40 yards per drive. Worst in the NFL. Coming into this game, the Chiefs allowed 6.6 yards per play on average. Worst in the NFL. Coming into this game, the Chiefs have sacked the quarterback only eight times. Worst in the NFL. And coming into this game, Patrick Mahomes was coming off the worst regular season game he's ever had. In his entire career. And go down the list, et cetera, et cetera. The Giants had the Chiefs right where they wanted him. And they couldn't capitalize. And I mean, it's not like the Giants did not have their chances. I mean, they had Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs on the ropes on that first drive. I mean, it was the interception on third down in the end zone. Mahomes tried to razzle-dazzle the defense and complete a Jeter-esque jump throw to Jarek McKinnon in the end zone. But instead, it found the arms of Julian Love after it bounced off McKinnon's chest. The Giants had the Chiefs right where they wanted them until literally two plays later. Daniel Jones, who has been good with turnovers this season, threw an interception that set the Chiefs up in the red zone. It's a chance that Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill did not squander this time. I mean, it wasn't all bad from the Giants. There was some good stuff being done, and there was some good football being played. I noted in my notes when I was watching the game that the second level of Giants defense was doing an excellent job in getting into the passing lanes of the Chiefs' offense. I noted that Jason Garrett finally let Daniel Jones just get out there and wing it. They let him get back to the best part of his game last season, as evidenced by NFL's next-gen stats. Those deep passes over 20 air yards, that's Daniel Jones' bread and butter. It happened. There was a 53 or 52-yard in-the-air completion to John Ross, followed by a double pass from Jones to Tony to Shepard, followed by Booker picking up 11 yards on the ground up the gut, And some of those plays had no huddle. I loved it. The Giants always play better with tempo. I mean, I tell Jason Garrett that every week on here to incorporate more of those two things, deep passes and tempo. I hope he's listening. Then that drive was continued with a beautiful down pass by Jones, and the tempo actually caught the Kansas City Chiefs defense off guard during that sequence. The drive accumulated Kyle Rudolph's first touchdown as a New York Giant, a touchdown that won me 60 bucks. I had him as an anytime touchdown scorer. I mean, this was all good. But there were times where the Giants' offense looked in disarray. You saw it first about midway through the first quarter when the Giants were in a third and 11 situation. And the Chiefs had 12 men on the field for like a while, like to the point where I was able to count it two and a half times on my TV just to be sure of what I was seeing. 
Daniel Jones and the offense were so, this is my word tonight, kerfuffled that Jones wasn't even looking up. He didn't even have his head up to survey the defense throughout that entire time to notice that they had 12 men on the field. That can't happen. The Giants' offense looked in disarray. You saw it again, of course, on the last and final drive. I mean, to the eyeball test, they didn't even look like they had a plan on that drive. The result? First down was a short pass to Ingram, who got out of bounds. Second down, Jones was sacked at the 19. Third down, incomplete to Ingram. Fourth down and 15 with 35 seconds left, a Daniel Jones fumble. And na, 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 na. Na, 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 hey, 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 goodbye. If you notice, played at the Arrowhead Stadium, um, on the Arrowhead Stadium uh, surround sound there, speaker system. And that was all she wrote in a typical giant collapse. Short pass, sack, incompletion, sack, fumble, game over. The Giants never even had the opportunity to utilize Graham Gano in that final drive, whose career-long field goal, 63 yards, by the way. And there were times that the Giants were just flat-out bad. This is a message that I've delivered to my own team sometimes. You have to play mistake-free. Because like some of my own teams, like this season's New York Giants, sometimes the teams aren't good enough to make mistakes and still come away with a victory. Everyone is pointing to the Chiefs Offensive sequence with about six or seven minutes left in the game, and rightfully so. O'Shane Zimenez committed a fatal flaw. He jumped off sides, with a delayed call, by the way, on a play in which the ball ended up into the arms of Darnay Holmes. Had he stayed on sides, the Giants would have been set up in a position to take a late lead, setting themselves up with great field position at the Kansas City 34-yard line, practically in the red zone, right? Instead... There was a 15-yard phantom face mask call that followed on Tay Crowder that ultimately set up what would be the game-winning field goal. And you could point to that, and you could be right. But there was another series of mistakes that the Giants are not also good enough to overcome that happened earlier. I wrote this down in my notes at the time, and this is a quote. I wrote, looking back at the end of this game, the three pretty much consecutive penalties to end the first half not only to knock the Giants out of field goal range, but even out of Hail Mary range, too, could come back to bite them. The Giants ended up taking a knee to send it to halftime. I wrote it when it happened. I should have tweeted it because the sequence, that sequence that I'm talking about featured a Will Hernandez false start that pushed the Giants back to the Chiefs' 40. Then on the very next play, a Nate Solder uh, holding call, which pushed them back to exactly midfield. Then a Booker run netted 15 yards, which would be doable for Gano. Theoretically, until an inexcusable delay of game penalty was called on the Giants' offense. I mean, I, I looked at my TV, and it was just me and the dog in the living room. I said, what the hell? I mean, the Giants had no other options. They had to take it to halftime at that point. And while no points are guaranteed, at least they would have had to, a shot at three, maybe even seven. Who knows? So let's make sure we keep this sequence in mind as we talk about this game tonight. And... Though the Giants didn't have as many penalties as the Chiefs did. They had 12, by the way, which almost doubled their average on the season, the Chiefs. The Giants had absolutely back-breaking penalties. For a team that's predicated on discipline, how many times have they proven that they cannot come up in the clutch? Especially 
in a game in which the Chiefs were begging the Giants to take from them. And it's not the first time this season that the Giants have suffered an inexcusable loss. But as Yogi Berra used to say, it's getting late early. This Giants team, with a win in Kansas City, could have changed the narrative. I mean, even changed the title of the whole damn book on this season so far. I mean, if they were sitting at 3-5, and five, we could start to conjecture if they could make a run at the extra wild card spot. Instead, we're not. We are left talking about missed opportunities and what-ifs for this Giants team that is clearly lacking the killer instinct. So... Where do the Giants go from here? There really aren't any solid answers. I mean, Coach Judd said this a few weeks ago. He said, this is definitely going to get better. I can assure everyone out there who's a Giants fan and wants to know when it's going to turn. We're working tirelessly, blah, 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 blah. Okay? All right. Even a seasoned veteran like Eli Manning said days before his jersey retirement ceremony, and this is a quote, he said, the losses hurt more. They affect your sleep. They affect your week. It affects family life, my wife and kids, and it got to be too much. That's Eli Manning. So at what point does the losing become too much for these Giants? Let's get it going. I have set the table for you on this NFL football buffet, and I can't wait to talk with you at 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan in New York City. The Fan is your station. We want to hear from you. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Welcome back to Danielle in drive time. McCartan before midnight, whatever you want to call it. We have a World Series pivotal game about to start. So hopefully you guys have that on your TVs on mute. And you got me on your radio. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for making us part of your Tuesday night. And before we get going with the calls, I just wanted to wish a very big congratulations to a very important person here in the New York sports scene. This past Thursday night, Mark Turnoff was inducted into the New York State Broadcasters Hall of Fame. After a, as you know, historic run at this station, the man who gave me my shot, was the only radio inductee this year. So that's a fitting coincidence, if you ask me. So a huge congratulations to the legend, Mark Mark Chernoff. Well-deserved. Congrats. All right, 877-337-6666 is the number. Justin in Deer Park, you are the leadoff of the night. Hey, Danielle. How are you, first of all? Good. How are you, Justin? I'm doing great. All right, here's my question. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, one second. As a coach, what are your what? Who do you think is responsible for all these penalties the Giants took last night? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, because if you are if you're having these guys practice like the way my my motto always is with my teams: practice how you play. Right. So if you have these guys practicing. Not in a manner in which they would be playing, you know, not um, being penalized at practice for making a mistake, um, things like that. If you run your practices like that, then it's going to happen in games. And that's a great question because I think that Joe Judge does penalize the players at practice. I mean, 
everybody's seen it, right? It's, it's made its rounds on social media, the whole thing. I mean, for his first year, uh, Sterling Shepard, what did he do? He, he winged a ball up in the air. He was celebrating a first down. And, and Joe Judge made him go get the ball, bring it back, and explain to him that that's a penalty in the game, in a game scenario. So don't do it at practice. So I believe that that is being done at practice. I do. Unless there was a complete change of philosophy, of course. So where do the penalties lie? I mean, I put I put it, it's like, I put it on the player because you need to be in control of your own body. I mean, there's nothing Joe Judge could have done at that point to, to bring a player off sides back on sides. You have to, you know, it's a mental thing. I know the decibels were, were at 100 in Arrowhead Stadium. But you can't jump off sides. You just can't do it as a player. So I guess it's a long-winded answer because I think the system is intact. The system at practice is intact. So I put the onus on the player. Because, again, there's nothing that Joe Judge could have done in that moment or, or the offensive line coach in that moment to prevent any guy from jumping off sides. And that is a great question there, Justin. To the Bronx we go. Josh, you're up next on the fan. Danielle, thank you for taking my call of again. Course. Thanks for making it, Josh. What do you got? And like, um, you know, just talking about what we were talking on Sunday about mm-hmm. the Jets and everything, how how that stability is maturing, how, you know, this guy came out of nowhere, Mike White mm-hmm. and everything like that. Now you got the coordinator sitting up up in the booth, finally. finally. Yeah, finally. And now you got a veteran quarterback. So when Zach Wilson comes back, he'll have he'll have a veteran quarterback next to him. Yep. And you'll have the floor up in the booth where you want him. Yep. And everything is being seen clearly now. Well, and no move, no significant moves either were made. Were made uh, in terms of like you know, quote unquote weapons. I hate calling them that, but weapons, right? Yeah, they kept right. the wide receiver room intact. It's all about chemistry building for the here on out and this whole season. Everybody knew that with this Jets team, but right. they're finally making adjustments. You're right that are bettering this team. And, and unfortunately, on the on the Giants side, it's just going downhill. You know. Where's the growth? Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody was so high going into that game with the Chiefs last night. And then, you know, here we go, another collapse. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, two two opposites, Danielle. I mean, stability versus unstability. Yeah, and, 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 and that's a good comparison there, Josh. And I think that um, – well, where's the growth? I think you're seeing the growth. You know where you're seeing it if you're a Giant fan? You're seeing it in Daniel Jones. That is the growth. I to me, I have no doubts that this guy he's never gonna be a Tom Brady type or a Dan Marino or a Montana. But he I think Daniel Jones is good enough good enough in a good situation to lead the Giants to a Super Bowl. I do. I really do think so. I mean, he, he is that next gen sort of talent, hybrid, big arm, runs the ball well. I, I like him. I do. I think he's it. As quarterback for the Giants. He's cut down on his turnovers. I mean, not so much last night. You know what I'm saying, though. But overall, the trend has been that he has cut down on his turnovers. X, Y, and Z. I think the growth on that team, you're seeing it in Daniel Jones himself. The rest of it, I'm not so sure. But that's got to be a positive sign that you could be taken out of this season. 
is that your, your quarterback, I believe, is the real deal. Because, again, you don't need a Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl. You don't need – I mean, look at what the Jets did with Mark Sanchez. I mean, Mark Sanchez can't even uh, – can never get these expressions right, but hold the candle, I think that is. Mark Sanchez can't even hold the candle to Tom Brady, and yet he took the Jets to back-to-back AFC Championship games. So I know it wasn't a Super Bowl win, but that's what I'm saying. You don't need to be the greatest of all time to win a Super Bowl. You need to be competent. You need to have a good team around you, and you also need to have a really good defense. So with that said, I do believe Daniel Jones, like I said, in the right situation, can be a quarterback that leads the Giants to a Super Bowl victory. Call me crazy, but I truly believe that. John in Staten Island, you're up next on The Fan. Thanks for taking my call, Danielle. Of course, John. Thanks um, for making l- it. Like you, I'm, I'm also a coach. I coach youth football, seventh mm-hmm. for eighth graders. Cool. And like you said, the young, when you're young or not even young, but when you make mistakes and your team's not good enough to, when you make mistakes, you it, it just shows. Yes. And you can't make up for those mistakes. Exactly. And that's what the Giants team does. Yep. And I'm just thinking that how you said in the first caller that had a great question, mm-hmm. it absolutely falls on the players when you're offside, holding tendencies and things like that because you coach to not do those things. Well, wait, hold, I, holding I, I, it, but, but I know you're a football coach and I never coach football, but isn't holding different than offsides? Because holding, I mean, that's te- technique. I mean, offsides is like you jumping too soon. Well, well, you also, as a D-line coach, you also teach to look at the ball as you're in your stance. Okay. You know, that's that's pretty much it. Is. So even with the crowd noise and everything like that, you shouldn't be jumping off sides because you should have your eye on the ball. You're that's, using that's your eyeballs, your, your yes. Coach. At first movement, right. you're moving too. Okay. Exactly. So, um, But as far as the Giants, I just think they need new coaches on the offensive side. Um, I think a change of philosophy would be good. I don't think they utilize Daniel Jones and their weapons as well. Ingram should be should be used a lot more. I know people have problems with Ingram, but he's talented. He should be on the field, even if we spit him out as a wideout. He should be used almost like like uh, the guy that used in uh, uh, Las Vegas. I forget his name. Uh, Walker, Waller? Waller. Waller. Darren Waller, yeah. Yeah, Waller. He should be that type of player, but we, we underutilize Ingram, and I know he has a ton of drops, but he's talented enough to be on the field, and you know, with all the injuries, there's no reason why he's not having more targets. But I think it falls down that we need a change of philosophy offensively. And I don't know about Gettleman. Um, we need a change there also. But if we change there, then that means judges are too. So it, the Giants is just a mess right now. It's been almost a decade since we had success. And I think the Giants, the Giants fans are just fed up and we're just kind of like uh, – we're beaten. <laughs> We're beaten now. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the phone call, Daniel. Yeah, John, thanks for making it. And a couple good points there. Uh, the one thing I would say is, I just looked up as you were talking, Darren Waller, height and weight. Darren Waller's got, he's 6'6". Evan Ingram, I mean, I stood next to him. I don't believe he's 6'3", honestly. But, I mean, that's what he's listed as. Darren Waller's listed as 6'6", 256. Evan Ingram, 6'3", 240. Um I see what you're saying. Line them up in the slot, right? But 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 don't the Giants have a backlog of guys in the slot? You've got uh, Shepard now, Tony now 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 Ingram. Come on, dude! Like j- trade him. That's a move that I wish the Giants would have made at this trade deadline. We could talk about that. Um, I thought Evan Ingram is, is is wonderful trade bait for a team that's looking for a, a, a guy like him. Everybody was told, oh, he's a matchup nightmare. He's a matchup nightmare for who? For who is he a matchup nightmare? Because the Giants can't seem to utilize him. And the one thing I would say about changing the whole entire philosophy is we just talked about the growth of Daniel Jones. Um, 
I would be worried that that growth would be either inhibited significantly or reverted backwards. Like um, I think of Sam Darnold with Todd Bowles did did fine, and then all of a sudden Adam Gase came in and it was a, it was reversion back to mistakes he wasn't even making in his first year. That's what I would be worried about with the change of scenery for Daniel Jones and and, and who's around him. Um, I mean. Listen, everybody. I was thinking about this too. I was washing dishes last night. The game was on in the background. I'm like, all right, everybody's getting on Jason Garrett for his vanilla play calling. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are vanilla play calls. Uh, there was a play call with uh, Sterling Shepard. It was third down and four, and the Giants called a timeout, and I wrote down major confusion. It was a bad pass to Shepard short of the sticks. I wrote, come on, man. And then Jones and Garrett went right over to Shepard to talk about that, probably, is what I wrote. So that's a bad play design. But but you're looking at double passes. You're looking at reverses. You're, you're looking at all these things that, at times, it looks really good. And you can't, you can't lie to yourself. At times, it looks really good. Again, at times, it looks really bad. It's just about finding the consistency there. And, and maybe Garrett's run his course here in New York. Maybe. But just be careful of trying to change the scenery around Daniel Jones because of Exhibit A, Sam Darnold. To North Arlington we go. James, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. What's up, James? Hi. I'd like to start my call off with giving you a big compliment because I, I find your sports knowledge to be uh, as competent as two, what I would say are probably the best of reporters that I've ever met, Christy Acker and uh, and Tara Sullivan, because you really know your stuff. And um, and I mean, I, if, if you know who they are, you know they're, they're really very very good writers. Yes, yes. So, uh, well, I, thank I'm you, thank you. If if we uh, if we have to unfortunately go back with the Giants, I know a lot of hosts don't like to hear this. Mm-hmm. There all seem to be a big t- a decline of the Giants, but with Odell Beckham, they didn't know how to handle him. I don't want to say there's a curse now, but in other words, it seems like since that move, maybe Tish is getting more involved with the team because it seems like the Giants really never really handled players the way they start handling them with uh, with Beckham. And then they went, the way they handled Eli, like, they, they, they knew he was done, but they were almost like afraid to get rid of him because of PR. And then they, then they make the pick of a running back, which they really probably knew was not the right pick, but... Uh, it, it seems like a lot of their decisions ha- have been PR driven, as opposed to where in the I don't want to say the old days. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but they, they sort of got away from football and, and looked more at things from a marketing standpoint. Hmm. James, is that your dog barking in the background? Oh uh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's okay. Say hi to him for me. <laughs> okay. What kind of dog uh, is I, it? I love animals. <laughs> what kind of dog? Oh, that's my Maltese. Maltese. Okay, my mom has two Shih Tzus. James, good point. So, so what do you what do you think? I mean, yeah. do you think the Giants have, have in some ways? It looked like some of their decisions were were based on marketing as opposed to based on football. They never <laughs> seemed to go that way. I mean, even the great Lawrence Taylor. I mean, I mean, I know he had like special rules, but he also was like a player beyond belief. But they didn't really baby him, and, and he wasn't really that hard to manage. I mean, he was a little wacky off the field, but I mean, on the field, he was always a good teammate. Yeah, James, and, 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 and he wasn't selfish. It, it seems like yeah. they, they, since since Beckham got here, uh, they, they, they it seems like they, they lost their way. Uh, well, I, I think the Giants won the Beckham trade, though that I will say. 
I think the Giants definitely won the Beckham trade because you see what's going on in Cleveland right now. It wasn't just an isolated thing here in New York um, with his dad posting videos and just, just today, right? The dad posted the video. Baker Mayfield hates him. I mean, didn't he not say the same thing about Eli Manning, if I'm not mistaken? So um, I, I <laughs> PR-driven versus team-driven winning, I don't know. That That's a big, big accusation to say, right? Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know, because I think about when you're talking Ben McAdoo benched Eli Manning and it was the whole uproar, you know, you may be beyond to something, maybe a little bit there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go that far to say all of their moves are PR driven, because I do believe believe that they believed in Saquon Barkley. And I at the time, I did think it was the right pick. I really did. I'll admit it. I did. You know. Back over to Jetsland, though. Robert Salo was asked if Mike White could be a long-term answer for the Jets at quarterback. Okay? He responded with, and this is a quote, we'll go day-to-day, but anything is possible. Is Mike White the late-round drafted guy that comes in and steals the job from the incumbent quarterback because of an injury? Jets fans know it well when Mo Lewis put a hurting on Drew Bledsoe. Then a skinny kid named Tom put a hurting on the Jets for an entire generation of Jets fans. Will Mike White be the quarterback of the Jets even when Zach Wilson is ready to come back? Should he be? Those are two different questions, and I want to know what you think. 877-337-6666. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, Hey Alexa, play WFAN. back to dinner time with Danielle. Well, maybe it's a little late for dinner time, but welcome back to the show, you guys. Uh, quick score check in, in the World Series. It's still 0-0. Bottom of the first one out. I'll keep an eye on it for you guys. I, I appreciate you tuning in here on the show. World Series on mute. Me on your speakers. I love it. Joe Flacco who? Will Mike White be quarterbacking the New York Jets when Zach Wilson is ready and able to return? Should he be? Robert Sala certainly left the door open for that potentiality when he said this. Well, that's that's for you guys to talk about, to be honest with you. Like, I, I know exactly how we'll operate. I know exactly what we're looking for. And uh, and if it's something that you guys want to play with and have fun with, I mean, it's it doesn't surprise me. But have fun. Well, have fun we will. You know, I, I can't answer for what the Jets are going to do with him. But if it's me... I am putting Zach Wilson in as soon as he's ready. I mean, I get it. The Bengals had not let up the number of points that the Jets scored all season long against them. I I get it. But please, do not let a great win distract your eyes from the prize, Jets fans. It was a great win. And there could be another great win come Thursday night. But the objective this season, it has always been, is to develop Zach Wilson. A, the Jets just hired, I think today, Zach Wilson's personal quarterback coach to their staff officially. Robert Sella said, Zach went to see John on the bye week, which we talked about here, you and I. And then Sala said, and we said, why not just bring him here? So now there's a really good plan to get him through the rest of the year. Do you think that they would have hired Zach Wilson's quarterback coach if he wasn't going to be it for this team? And then B, the Jets did not trade or acquire a single wide receiver so as to not upset the chemistry building process going on there. 
In fact, they traded for a Super Bowl-winning guard to help protect him. Mike White is not the answer forever. As soon as Zach Wilson's ready, then he deserves to play. The Jets are not making the playoffs this year. Mike White is not going to lead them there. And for that matter, neither will Wilson. The important thing is that Zach Wilson develops, and that's it. And the best way to do it, if you play a sport, if you coach a sport, the best way to learn is to be there doing it. Sure, there, there is value to watching what's going on. There is. And I, and I think Zach Wilson got a great perspective where he was sitting in, in the stadium um, on Sunday. But you study a little bit. You see it in action, you visualize it, and then you go and do it. Because you're never going to know if you can do it or not unless you actually go out there. So I think while this this whole Mike White thing is fun, I might, I'm on a Saturday at 5 p.m. We could be talking about how awful he was. He threw five interceptions and the Jets lost by a million. We could be talking about that too. I mean, there was no tape on him. The Colts now have tape on him. Keep that in mind and when you make your wagers there. All right, we'll go back to the phones. 877 877- 337-6666. Uh, one more time. When Zach Wilson's ready, you play him. Lane in Valley Stream. You're up next on The Fan. Oh, I'm Dale McCown. I just want to say have a nice evening. But I have some questions. Number one. Yeah, I mean, the Jets played well. They did. But that's not a question there, Lane. Oh, yeah. I have some other questions. Be- uh, you know, ever since, you know, Zach Wilson went down, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, do you think the way the Jets are playing that they'll win on Thursday? Ooh, that's some good foreshadowing there, Lane. I have my Jets prediction coming up in about 10 minutes. Uh, I'll do a little analysis, pre-analysis of the game. I don't want to give it away just yet. But in just about 10 minutes from now. I got you, okay? To Connecticut. Mike, you're up on the fan. Hello, Danielle. What's up, Mike? Um, Coach, I love your show. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I uh, coached Division Three football for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I just had a little question about what you're talking about when you were talking about a bunch of phone calls ago mm-hmm. about how the coach does his practice and doing this mm-hmm. and that and mm-hmm. all this. But he's continually making the same mistakes. So when I was coaching, and they used to coach in real time, have sticks out there, have other coaches pretending they were refs. Hello? Yeah, Mike. Go ahead. I lost you for a second there. Yeah, I lost you. Uh, when we ran practices, yeah. you know, with shorts or hitting or whatever, we always had coaches looking for to be like refs. Mm-hmm. Sure. And at the moment, you know, there'd be a flag or something thrown, and we would teach the players in the process what the penalties were. Right. And the cost to the team. Mm -hmm. And how to rectify them moving forward. Yep. Right. Instead of having them run laps and all this and that, just have them learn on the spot. Mm -hmm. No, they're, you know, continuously doing it. And obviously you have to make a 
you know, a player change or uh, more, uh, you know, obviously we, we try to teach them all the techniques, but, yeah. you know, try to do more practice in game time situations. Correct. Where you don't end up on the game, in the field, Looking unprepared, as unprepared as the Giants did at times in that game. I'm, I'm with you. I agree with you. Um, and it's a balance. It's be- a balance between, you know, the teach-first philosophy that I like, the teach-first philosophy. However, like the, the Robert Sala way, if you will, you know, don't ever yell at a player. You know, I do like that. There is a time and a place for that. However, there also is a time and a place for, you know what, get on the line. We're going to run a lap or two. Get on the line and do it. Because, you know what, sometimes... It depends on your group, too, and how they respond, right? But if that's the only way you can get through to them, then that's the only way to get through to them. You know, I remember I had one particularly tough team that, like, for example, on a Saturday morning practice. I mean, I remember I was I was mad. They, they voted to have a 7 a.m. Saturday practice because there was some football game going on or something that they wanted to go to. Whatever. I don't care. I showed... My butt up there, and everything was set up, ready to go. For 6.45, I was there on a Saturday morning. Lo and behold, they didn't walk in till I think the last one got there around 7.30. Now, I was mad, because if I'm there on a Saturday morning at that time, even earlier than you, you better be there. So what happened was, you know, we went along with practice. You know, I wasn't just going to make them sit there. So we went along with practice, and as soon as all of them got there, I made them run. Guess what? They were never late again. They were holding each other accountable immediately. They had text chains going on in the morning. Are you up? Do you need a ride? Blah, blah, blah. They were never late again. So, yes, there, and and I know that's not a technique thing, but I'm just saying that there is a time and a place, especially depending on your group, for, for one strategy over the other. In my opinion, there should be a blend of both. There should. Let's go to Dix Hills, New York. Scott, you're up on the fan. Yeah, hey Daniel, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing well, doing well. I, I called you. I called into you a few times over the last uh, few weeks. Yeah. And and one of the things I kept bringing up was um, somewhere I lost track of how the clock works when when players run out of bounds mm-hmm. or get knocked out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And I finally found out and got it down. Tell me, because I could I couldn't understand. In the past, running out of bounds was a way to stop the clock at any point in the game. So you didn't have to use a timeout mm-hmm. or, you know, you know, the clock would just stop. And it seemed like in the last couple of years, I'm noticing the clock's running at times when pl- when plays have gone out of bounds. Yeah, I remember you calling. So, yep. Right. So now what I read up in the rule book is as follows. When a player runs out of bounds or is knocked out of bounds, the play will stop, but it starts automatically again as soon as the ball is set by the referee. Hmm. Un, un, until there's two minutes left in the half, and then the clock stops as was in the past, mm-hmm. or the last five minutes of the game, of the fourth quarter. And so that's why sometimes you're seeing plays run out of bounds, and then a few seconds later you're saying, well, why is the clock running again? It's because now the ball's been set back for the next play, right. and the clock continues to run. I don't know what the purpose of it was, why they changed the rule, I don't know. But moving on from Wait, that, you know, Scott, my uh, one uh, guess would be we always talk. Everybody always talks about pace of play of baseball. I'm wondering if it has something to do with pace same. of play, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, shorten the game. Yeah, yeah sure, yep. sure, sure. Um, and beyond, not a, not. A, I finally got that. I, a lot of people have, you know, been commenting on on Barkley as as a choice and when he was drafted, mm-hmm. looking back and said that it was a bad choice from the beginning. It's a bad choice now. I'm with you on that. I didn't think it was a bad choice then. Right. One of the main reason is you can you can draw a direct parallel to Ezekiel Elliott. I'll bet you the Giants felt at the time they drafted Barkley that he would be as good as Elliott was. Mm-hmm. In fact, in his first year, it seemed very much probable that he was going to be that player. Mm-hmm. And and the Cowboys that, built out their offensive line better than the Giants ever could well, have in the time. Go. Right. That's there it. There you go. There yep. you go. That's that 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 what you just mentioned is problematic of the general manager. Yes. So, you know, the Giants have built their offense from the outside in, which is the incorrect way the to do it. Out. Exactly. Yep. And 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 so you wouldn't be having these questions about Barkley if the draft process was different. Yeah. And or if they were able to just bring in some guys that that could help them develop along the way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then I just wanted to also comment about Jason Garrett. Um, I think he's done a pretty good job with what he's got. I don't necessarily think this should be a change. When was the last time, if you look back to last week, when you saw a, a, a play run that went back to a pass to the quarterback, when did you last see that Giants run a play like that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was it was an incredible catch, mm-hmm. great play. You just, I mean, the days of the, the of the inside handoff, time after time again, seem to be over. There's a lot more fluidity, yep. more more motion in the offense now. The plays are not always executed properly. I.e., the Daniel Jones run, and he didn't flip it yet last night yes i know i saw that yep he he took it himself and all he had to do was shovel pass to the guy behind him would have been perfect right but that's on execution that's not on play that was a beautiful play design exactly i i do i do think garrett's been really working well with what he has given the injuries um, time after time again and i i think that he would deserve to be back and i don't think the giants should completely upset Everything that they've got going. Right. Scott, Scott, I'm I'm with you, Scott. I'm I'm with you on that. And I think that is the the unpopular opinion, but I'm with you on that for all those things. I mean, there's been real, there's been bad too. It's been pretty inconsistent. Great points on there, on that phone call there. And uh, listen, I'm with you. And and I don't think to upset all of this, to upend all of this for a guy, who are you bringing in, by the way? Who are you bringing in? I mean, you might not even have this head coach next year. I mean, let's just be honest. So the Giants are in a little bit of flux. I think you stabilize it, and I think Jason Garrett's your guy moving forward. Um, I've got my Jets-Colts prediction coming right up, analysis prediction, pre-analysis prediction coming right up. The score is still 0-0 in the World Series Game 6. AL leads, uh, Atlanta leads uh, 3-2 in the series, as you know. Beautiful play. Defensively is going on for both teams. I will keep you uh, aboard on the score there. And and hang on there. In the order that you guys called, I will get back to you on the phones at 877-337-6666. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, play WFAN. 
Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City, everybody. We've got my Jets Colts prediction coming right up. And more of your fo- your phone calls at 877-337-6666. It's been a quick one tonight. Let's keep it moving, everybody. Pace of the show has been great. Um, but before we do that, Paul Rosenberg, who is who is taking your calls, he's he's the DJ of the night. I've I've got a, a mean tweet to read to you, Paul. You ready for it? Can you handle it? Mean tweets I'm always up for, so what do we got? All right. Well, I've got a tweet from at Junkin Irishman, and he says, Danielle, whoever is screening your calls needs to run some laps. Your response? I mean, I'd love if the drunken Irishman, who we're assuming is not the drunken Irishman, give me a call. You know, tell me what uh, he thinks, you know, I did wrong. I screen calls. I screen lots of them. And we'll uh, go from there. But uh, I'm not a big lap guy. I'm not a big running guy. I like walking. <laughs> I'm a really good walker. Okay. I can walk with the best. Running, jogging, eh, not so much. But um, I can, I'm, I'm a good walker. I like walking. Well, junkin' Irishman, the gauntlet has been thrown. Give us a call. Reveal yourself to us. Here, 877-337-6666. All right, real quick. Jets, uh, Colts, you know, the line for this game opened up at 14 points. The Colts being the favorites, I think that's pretty obvious. Monday, it went down to 10.5 points, and that's exactly where it sat, uh, you know, when my show started, what, an hour ago? There's uh, there's a lot of uncertainty uh, and distrust surrounding Carson Wentz and his propensity to throw interceptions in some crucial spots. I mean, look no farther than this past weekend when he did it in an overtime loss to the Titans. I mean, even before this, there were calls for his benching. So I think for sure the Colts are going to lean on their ground game, and Jonathan Taylor has been one of the best and most complete running backs in the league this season. I mean, he's second in the NFL in rushing yards. He's fourth in the league in total yards per game. He's got six games so far this season with over 100 yards from scrimmage. You know, he's a very viable and reliable option, even out of the backfield, to catch passes as well. So he's going to have a big game, I think. But uh, in terms of, like, um, percentage of snaps and percentage of, uh, you know, balls thrown his way and handoffs and and touches, right? But I think the Jets, especially with C.J. Mosley, I think they actually have a pretty good rush defense. Everybody, though, is going to get a second look on Mike White. And, And there will be some tape out on him, like I mentioned just before, on this short week. So, obviously, he's not going to put up those numbers that he did. 405 yards, three touchdowns. He's not going to do that. But running back Michael Carter, I think, had his coming out party this past weekend against the Bengals. And all of a sudden, the Jets have made themselves into a dual threat team, which is obviously going to keep the defense on its toes. I think the Jets have all of the momentum. And on a short week, I think that does actually matter. And call me crazy, but as we've talked about at length here before, how these night games always seem to produce some wacky results, like Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night, right? So I'm riding the hype train on the Jets. I am. I think it matters in a game like this. I'm going Jets 24, Colts 21. Jets 24, Colts 21, and I will post that up online for everybody to see. For the world to see and critique 
And listen, you could do it before the game, but I don't want to hear any Friday morning quarterback saying, eh, you were wrong. Yeah, okay. Give me your predictions. Go ahead. You can reply right onto that thread. Your predictions at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Coach Carton. Okay, back to the phones we go. We go to Bob in Connecticut. You're up next on the fan. Bob. Hey. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm very Um, Listen, Danielle, you and I are uh, friends on another social media network, so it's, it's really great to finally speak to you in person. Awesome. Which, uh, Instagram? No, LinkedIn. Oh, LinkedIn. See, that's, of them all, that's the one I'm on, like, least. <laughs> I really am. So if I don't ever respond on LinkedIn, it's because I haven't checked it in a month. But, <laughs> well, I'm glad okay, you made the well, call. Yeah, it's great to talk with you. I've listened to your, your show a couple, um, I don't know, half a dozen times. Very impressed. Glad you're on FAN. Thank uh, you. you do a great job. Thanks. So I'm, I'm, I'm all in with you on Daniel Jones in terms of uh, him showing that he has what it takes to, um, you know, to bring the Giants a Super Bowl or two. And I know there's fans wondering, you know, what the hell I'm smoking, that kind of stuff. But listen, I've, I'm old enough to have gone through the Phil Simms uh, introduction to the Giants and his benchings and fans wanting him fired and traded and the same thing with Eli. So I've been through this a couple of times. Um, I think that uh, Daniel Jones shows the qualities um, and, and really off the field, um, I would say, I don't know, commitment to the job as a quarterback whether it's studying or working mm-hmm. in the weight room, mm-hmm. being the first one in, last one out, becoming a leader on the team. So yes. I'm, I'm, I'm totally in there. The other thing I would say is from where I am, and I'm not a big general manager fan or a critic because uh, I can only imagine what that job really entails. But if you put you know, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas, and uh, Kadarius Tony together as number one picks. What general manager has done better than that? And, yeah, you could say, obviously, people say Saquon's hurt. And I don't blame the general manager for having people injured uh, at all. I mean, you know, and Andrew Thomas is out. We've got two starting offensive linemen out. I do believe the offensive line was on, on the right path. And, and I still am kind of impressed uh, with what they've been able to accomplish with, you know, the second string and, you know, newly signed folks. Uh, so I, I attribute that to, to good coaching. But turn yeah. it over to you for your comments. Uh, you know, and, and Bob, thanks for the call there. Um, I just wish that, I mean, I, I don't think offensive line was addressed, like, at all in this draft, if I'm not mistaken. So, um while it could be on the right path, I mean, Nate Solder has been a bust, let's be honest. Um, and listen, you could critique any GM across any sport and be like, yeah, I love that move, but I hate that move. I, hmm. I would love to see, I'll, I'll answer that this way, I would love to see for once, just one time, where this Giants team is on the field as constructed 
And I know injuries happen. Injuries happen to every team. I get it. I do. I understand. But that defensive unit was one of the best units in the NFL last season. This season, I mean, just recently they're playing without Peppers, but you lost Blake Martinez, who is your best tackler on your team by far. I mean, that was both of them were Dave Gettleman acquisitions. You're missing, you know, your wide receiver. You haven't played with the running back that you drafted in two full seasons. And I think, by the way, it's time to move on from him, by the way. Um, I think that's. I think it's fair. I think that's fair. And until – I don't understand how people are making, um, you know, these judgments in, in, on Dave Gettleman without having seen the, the full potential and the full product on the field realized at the same time. I don't know. J- just my thought. I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here. Today was trade deadline day, and, and the Giants did do nothing. So, of course, I'm going to ask um, NFL insider for SNY covering the Jets and Giants, Ralph Facchiano, that exact question. Why not? Why did the Giants not do anything, Ralph? He'll be with us at 920, talking some Jets and Giants trade deadline stuff. And until then, more of your calls, 877-337-6666. I appreciate you guys hanging on. I'll get to you right on the other side of this quick break. Be part of the show. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Well, we've got some great news. Junkin' Irishman and Paul Rosenberg, they have smoothed it over on the phones Junkin' Irishman is a man of his word. He called in, and they've smoothed it over. Welcome to the show. You're part of the fam now. Did you get his name, Paul? What, what was his first name? I believe it was Jim or Jim. Jimmy. Jim? Jimmy? Welcome. Welcome to the, uh, we got to think of a name here for, for the family, the, the community that we've, we've built here. So welcome to it, whatever it's called. Welcome to it. Hey, you know, my adult women's league, my women's, uh, my Phillies summer softball team, you guys know it. Well, we might not have won many games, but we do have a fun time off the field. We had our annual season-end party last week, and this time we did something a little bit different to celebrate our season. We went axe-throwing. We all met up at that place in Paramus, you know, um, uh, Bury the Hatchet. Not an advertisement, just part of the story, but had I, I, I went once before, and... You know, doing the warm-up throws, it was like riding a bike. I had three bullseyes. But somehow, I ended up on the losing team in three of our four head-to-head competitions. Wonderful. But anyway, as fun as a time, as it always is. I think someone said our next thing is bowling. Well, right, but I hope that we get a lane with bumpers. Because <laughs> my bowling game is just as strong as my mini-golf game. Not great. And with that, the Braves have taken the lead with a three-run home run by Soler. His third home run this postseason as he grounds third. High fives and heads home. The score is Atlanta three, Houston zero. Top of the third, two outs. And, of course, with a win tonight, Atlanta wins the World Series. Okay, we'll get to your calls. 877-337-6666. Thanks for hanging on there. Lou in Astoria, you're up on hey. the fan. Hey, Daniel, how are you? Great, Lou. How are you? 
I mean, 100% uh, uh, with the situation with the Jets right now. The media makes a big deal out of anything. I know. I think that, I, know. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but I have never seen the Jets or any, any New York team lately, Giants or Jets, coming out and try to outscore the opponent, okay? Mm-hmm. This guy came out swinging, throwing the ball. You know, the problem we got with Zach Wilson right now, probably the ownership, is telling Salas, listen, you got to be careful with this guy. We don't want him to get hurt. You know, turn him loose. It's like I told you uh, uh, on tweeting you that if you put Daniel Jones with the Rams, a complete team like that, which yeah. you see has all day all, all, all to throw the ball, yep. it'll be a different story. Completely. You know what I'm saying? I exactly know what you're I saying. Mean, and, you know, and, and right now, if this doesn't work, if we backfire, they're going to ruin this kid. And the media here is very poisoned. I'm not, not putting you there yet because, you know what I'm saying, you haven't graduated yet. You still have a future for this, for, for this station. And I hope you get your... your 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 race and, and, and going to a promotion, oh, but this, this even look look what happened to the Mets. The the GM of the, of, of of the Minnesota an opportunity to go to a millionaire and become the GM of the Mets. And not you know just what? him. Every every other person. I mean, every you know person that the you Mets. You want to jump on it? Come on! Come on! It's, it's the media that everybody's afraid of. It's something with the Knicks. Daniela, listen. The Knicks are the way they are because no superstar. When it comes to this city, where they find out every little thing that you do. Well, Jordan, you can name it Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and everybody else don't want to come here because, you know what? They find everything that you have that nobody else can. You take yeah, care. Lou, yeah, thanks for the call. Good there, Lou. And I would, I would think that part of it's it can't you can't blame the media for everything, first of all, but not because I'm part of it, because it is like, look at the Mets. Think about why no one might – I mean, you've got the richest owner of all of baseball and no one wants to come and work for him, okay? Maybe it's the structure in the front office. Maybe Sandy Alderson and his son need to go before someone wants to come in there. Maybe it's a, it's a power struggle of, like, how how many percent do you have in actually making decisions and how many percent does Sandy Alderson have in making decisions? And how many percent does the owner have in making decisions? And And what about the timeline – that the owner put out there that he wants to win a World Series in, in, what did he say, three to five years? Well, okay, we're already in year two. I don't know if I want, you know, maybe that puts an expiration date on, on a new general manager that comes in. Okay, if you can't win a World Series in now, what is it, two to four years, you're out. Uh, that's not a long-term thing. I wouldn't want that either. I could be gone in two years or less? Come on. So well, there could be many different factors. Many different factors. Media? It's part of it. It's not the only factor. Jerry, in Middletown, New Jersey, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle, how are you? I'm great, Jerry. How are you? Uh, good, good. You do a great job, by the way. Enjoy Thank listening you. to you. Thanks. Um, Mike White, okay? I, yeah. I kind of agree with what you said earlier about, you know, the long-term plan is Zach Wilson and all that. Right. But as a long, die-hard Met, uh, Jet, uh, Jet fan suffering, um, let me put the scenario out there. I think Zach Wilson's out for, say, four weeks, right? They this say he's, he'll be back for the Bills game. I'm not saying he's going to do 400 yards, but say he does three, 350. They win three out of four. Everybody's happy in that. I mean, plans do change. Are you really think they're going to go go back to Zach Wilson if that were to happen? I'm not saying it is. I know they're not going to win going to playoffs and all that, but what what do you think about that? I, I think they're going back to Zach Wilson. I really do. I mean, the reason why they didn't move any of the receivers, I think, is because they wanted to b- build up that chemistry between the receivers and him. And... I think they're moving back to him. I mean, wins at this point for the Jets, I mean, I know they're nice. It's exciting. It's exciting to watch, right? To watch a Jet game that's competitive and everything through the end of the game, not through, like, the first three possessions. But the objective of the season 
is to graduate, uh, develop Zach Wilson. And he's not going to be able to do it as effectively from the bench um, once he's ready to come back. That's what I think. No, I, I get that. But I'm just saying, is I don't know... I... I honestly think if that if that scenario would have happened, that this this town would go nuts. I think they love this guy and they would just want to keep quarterbacking. I, I don't yeah. know. That's just my opinion. Well, but I understand it's what like you're saying, yeah, right. It's like Lynn Sanity all over again. Remember Jeremy Lynn? Right, right. It's like it's that. It's it's Mike White fever here in New York City, which is great. It's exciting, but don't lose lose your sights on on the prize, which is Zach Wilson as the franchise quarterback. That's what I, all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I agree. You're probably right. I know. I, I don't just, know. I just, uh, I just enjoy what we're going for the ride with this guy. Let's see what happens. I know. Me too. It's exciting. Let's see what happens on Thursday night. Well, can can you call me again on Saturday and we'll discuss it again? We'll see what we still think on Saturday. <laughs> I know he might he might bomb out and throw five interceptions. He might. We forget this conversation. He might. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, All right, Daniel. Terry. Thanks. Let's go to Josh in Brooklyn next. You're up on the fan. Hi. How are you? Great, Josh. How are you? I'm doing fine. Couple of points here about the Giants. Um, first of all, I am sick and tired of everyone saying uh, Daniel Jones, the guy, not the guy. Daniel Jones is the guy. Joe Judge has to go. Dave Gettleman has to go. The only issue with that is the new guys coming in. You know, this is good now that they've all been together. Now bringing a new guy might be a little, a little hard, but he's the guy. Jones, he has it. You don't have to have a unbelievable quarterback to get far. You have a solid quarterback. Yes. He's good enough. Exactly. And I don't think it's worth risking it and and, and letting him go right. and trying to draft somebody again. Right. And start literally all over again. I, I'm, oh. I'm with you there, Josh. And I agree. Daniel Jones, I think, is the guy for these Giants moving forward. Like, I think he's shown enough grit, enough toughness, enough uh, improvement in his time here, despite not having an offensive line, despite having – Six different offensive line combinations so far, at least this season. Starters, that is. Um, despite having his his top drafted running back not behind him in the backfield, D- you know, despite 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 Daniel Jones has risen above, and I I think he's it. I really do. Tim in East Haven, you're up on the fan. Tim, welcome back to the show. Hey, coach, how are you? I'm good. Been a while. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, this Giants season got me all in a tizzy. Um, <laughs> And yes, Daniel Jones is talented enough to be a quarterback. And do you happen to tune into the Manning brothers last night? I did for parts of it. I did. Yes. Okay. When they had Strahan on and all that. No, I missed that part. Okay. Um, my one critique of Daniel Jones is he, he force fed Shepard all night long. Do I blame Daniel Jones? Do I blame Garrett? You know, Tony's your most explosive guy on the mm-hmm. field, right? How does he get one target in the first half? Who do I blame there? Do I blame a quarterback that doesn't go through his progressions? Because when Tony made a pass to Shepard, he goes, oh, look at that. He went through his progressions, Eli says to Peyton. Right. And Peyton's like, yeah, wow. Yeah, good. So um, who yeah, do what... I blame there? Mm-hmm. Do I blame Daniel Jones, because he's never had enough time to go through progression. That's where my mind kind of went, actually. Yeah, that's where my mind went. If he's not used to doing it, I know it's, I don't mean to like laugh, but um, yeah, that's where my mind went as you were talking. Yes. So then, and then the thing that really bothers me is our lack of discipline and the penalties. Like Justin kicked your show off with, and he hit it right on the head. This mm-hmm. team isn't disciplined. This team is not disciplined. And you know what? Fire the coach. Fire the GM. He used this comment today so he didn't have to explain why he idiotically called timeouts. Yeah. And he's sitting there at the half, 
with like a minute 20 left with zero timeouts. And, and instead, why please the fan base to try Hail Mary? Instead, we're just going to take a knee because we – I, I don't know. At the half, yeah, that was that was brutal. I mean, that but that was so, three penalties in a row almost that that led them out of any sort of contention for any points in that first half. Exactly, exactly. And and, and as far as that goes, um, Dan, Daniel Jones will be fine. He went to Duke. He can learn a new system. He's twenty something years old. He'll be okay. As far as giving Judge and Gentlemen, they, they have to go. Anyways, thank you for taking my call, and I hope to talk Saturday. Yeah, of course, Tim. Thanks for the call there. I, the one thing I keep saying and the one thing I would caution against, though, if, if everybody's shipping out all, all everybody and keeping the quarterback, you are running the risk of having this guy having to learn yet another offensive system, and he's just getting comfortable in the one that he has. That's the one thing I would say. You saw it with Sam Darnold. And you saw his production decline because of it. So that's the one thing I would say. Bob in Greenlawn, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you tonight? What's up, Rob? Good. How are you? Okay. Just a quick question. You know, I have a 15-year-old daughter at home, and I, I've been dying to ask you this question. And I've asked this question to many a host before, and it actually blew up. Uh, it went pretty much national a few years ago. I asked it to friend Seth, and he blew up at it. I said, hey, Mike, I said, you know, what are the probabilities we get a female coach in professional sports in the next few years? And he went ballistic, and he said, no, what are you, crazy? And, and it caught national news. It really blew up and uh, became a story, at least for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, I just wanted your take. Like, what the heck? What is taking Becky ha- someone so long <laughs> to get Becky Hammond right. uh, a, a job in the NBA, or you know, I can't see that why there's any reason we cannot have a professional woman as a baseball manager, especially since the game, the, the managerial decisions are all analytical these days anyway, and mm-hmm. they're just PR guys, and, yeah. you know, like computer it, nerds. What, yeah. what, what, what is taking so long? And I want to know where you stood on the issue. Um, yeah, Rob, obviously, sign me up to be a head coach anywhere, or I'll coach anywhere, right? Um, this is. I know we have to go to break here, but it's more of a, a pipeline thing. And in, in what I understand in like in NFL football, I talked with Sam Rappaport about this. It's more of like, okay, maybe there are some coaches that are willing to hire, like um, Ray, uh, Mike Vrabel, uh, Bruce Arians. They are more than willing and able to, to hire female coaches. However, when you look around, the, the pipeline isn't just there just yet. And, and that's what Sam Rappaport is working to develop. Um, that's the one thing. Um, there's probably a little bit of, um, you know, machoism, right? You know, let's be honest, right? They don't want a woman in charge, is my guess. I mean, but um, it, come on, it's time. I'm with you. It's uh, what? When will Becky Hammond get a job as a head coach in the in the NBA? I mean, come on. I mean, we can point to any one of these people that that should be having head coach jobs and they don't. So obviously, I am obviously waiting for the day that. That happens, and whichever team it is, I will be a fan of that team across any league because good for them. And uh, if any team needs a coach, I think I can make myself available. You know, well, uh, let's call us up. <laughs> you guys know the number. Give me a call. If you, if you need me to help you coach or, or run your front office, I think I can make myself available. And making himself available tonight for us, NFL insider for SNY and SNY TV, covers the Jets and Giants. You know him well. Ralph Vacchiano is joining the program for the first time in about five minutes. So stay tuned, Giants and Jets fans. I got you both covered. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Siri, play WFAN. 
before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. On the hotline right now, Ralph Vacchiano, NFL insider for SNY and SNY TV, covering the Jets and the Giants. He's joining us for the first time ever. Ralph, welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on. Well, uh, hey, this is the assist to Paul Rosenberg, so he's got the, the hotline into you. I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem at all. All right, so I, I kind of wanted to take this kind of NFL big picture and then kind of narrow it down to our Jets and Giants, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's fine. All right, let's do it. So, you know, we everybody knows around the NFL, we all know that that Von Miller deal was the biggest deal to be made. But what was the most, in your opinion, impactful trade at this deadline? Well, I mean, it's hard to argue that it's not the Von Miller deal. Uh, you know, you're looking at a Rams team that is just going for it, which, you know, Les Steed has that reputation for wanting to go for it uh, every year. Um, you know, they, they have this basic philosophy that, you know, you know, who cares about future draft picks? Who cares about years down the line? Um, you know, let's just do whatever we can to win right now. And, you know, they had a defense that was probably, you know, still their strength, although an offense with Matthew Stafford that's catching up, but a defense now that could be downright scary if Von Miller can play up to, you know, what they hope he will be able to do what he's done in the past. So, uh, you know, that was one of the early deals in the trading deadline. I don't know that anything jumped out at me uh, that was more impactful than that. That one was certainly the big one uh, that caught my eye. In your opinion, um, what was the biggest non-trade in the league? Um, you know, I was a little surprised, and unless hopefully, hoping I'm keeping it with the Giants and Jets, I hope I didn't miss one, but I thought the Green Bay Packers were going to make a deal either for a receiver or a tight end. Mm-hmm. To my knowledge, I haven't heard of one, but once they lost their tight end uh, to an ACL injury, you know, the, you know, they've always felt a little short of receivers. We know how much Aaron Rodgers wants weapons. Um, everything I had heard was they were nosing around receivers and tight ends and looking at the market. And I, I just thought they would feel pressure in what might turn out to be Aaron Rodgers last season um, to go get one and, and just sort of stock up for a run. Um, but they didn't, and that kind of caught me off guard. There really were a lot of potential receivers available um, you know, that they could have gotten. The, the big trade that everybody had been talking about, and that you know, there were some people that were surprised it didn't get done, of course, was Deshaun Watson. Right. But, you know, to me, I don't think that was ever a possibility with so many questions about, um, you know, obviously, to me, in order, just touching Sean Watson right now would just be horrific. I don't know why they would even consider that, but if you forget that aspect of it, just the unknown of will he be suspended, how many games will he miss, what legal ramifications will be there, you know, no one was going to pay the price for him. So I know some people were shocked that he wasn't eventually traded with all the smoke, but I just never thought that was actually going to happen. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And the, and the price tag being, it, was it really three first-rounders they wanted for him? Well, that's what they leaked early on, three three first-rounders plus. Um, you know, I think they had to realize that, the, you know, all that uncertainty, no one was going to give them that price. You know, maybe in the offseason, if they get some clarification from the league, mm-hmm. somebody might be willing to do that. He is that good. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you just can't. You, imagine dealing those three picks for him and then finding out a week later or a month later or six months later that there's more that you didn't know about right. or that the league has decided to suspend him for six games. It's just 
it would be an unfathomable, unfathomable mistake for an organization to make. Yeah, and mortgaging the future for someone that, that wouldn't even be able to play for a, a significant amount of time. Right. Exactly. We were with uh, Ralph Vacchiaro here on The Fan. Um, what about those, uh, and, and I, I've got a call tonight about him, what about those unhappy Odell Beckham Jr. to the Saints rumors? Uh, he's, you know, it's interesting. I've been kind of following the, the, the saga out there. I guess his father has been posting on Instagram about, uh, I don't know whether it's saying outright or you know, cryptic ways of saying that he's not happy with mm-hmm. um, you know, the connection with Baker Mayfield. It's all so familiar to anyone who covered Odell Beckham with the Giants because we know that he had issues with Eli Manning and you know, was kind of working behind the scenes to let people know that he could do so much more if only the Giants had a quarterback. Right. Um, you know, given that now that's happened in, with two organizations, mm-hmm. and he's coming off a bad injury, and you know, he just he hasn't been the same player since he left the Giants. He was going to be a hard one to deal because the you know the Browns I don't think were prepared to give him away, which meant they would want some sort of value in return. I don't know whether it be a second or a third or whatever. I don't know that they actually were even considering dealing him, but. And they weren't going to give him away for a sixth or seventh. And I don't know that any team was going to commit a high draft pick to a guy who's uh, a bit of trouble and not quite the exciting enough player where you can put up with that kind of trouble. So it seemed like, I mean, the Saints should have gotten a receiver. They obviously need some help, but um, you know, Beckham always seemed like a tough fit for a trade. What about Deshaun Jackson? Any interest from our uh, New York teams? Should he, you know, should they do their due diligence on him? I, there was no um, no interest that I heard of. Um, you know, I, I don't know that he would be a good fit for either New York team. You know, the Jets right now are rebuilding around younger guys. Yeah. Um, you know, Sean Jackson is a guy that can probably help a contender. He's mm-hmm. clearly got speed, clearly got ability, a lot of injury issues. But um, you know, the Jets need to think younger. And the Giants, you know, when they're healthy, they've got a lot of good receivers. So they don't need an extra one. Right. If they were a playoff contender right now and they had all these injuries, I'd say, sure, look into it because you need some help to keep you in the playoff chase. But I think that playoff chase now is clearly a bit of a dream. We're with Ralph Vacchiano, NFL insider for SNY and SNY TV, covers the Jets and Giants. So, Ralph, I'm going to leave it to you. Do you want to do Jets or Giants first? Your choice. Oh, which best do I prefer (laughs) is the other way to ask that question. Uh, (laughs) Well, let's go to the Jets. They're they're okay. more um, they're less fresh in my mind, and uh, you know, not quite the disaster that the Giants are at the moment. <laughs> Believe it or not, right? All right. So uh, yeah. the biggest thing the Jets did they got some more offensive line help. Um, he opted out last season. So, what kind of a player are they expecting from Duvernay Tardif? Well, he's first of all, he's a smart player and a good character guy, which you know is always good to have in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's, he was a longtime starter, so uh, you know he they know he can play. You know whether he's ready right now to step in after opting out last year. I guess he had a hand injury in the summer. He was activated for the first time on Monday night. He's probably not ready to become a starter for the Jets, but they don't need that, right? They need. You know, they're looking for veteran depth along the offensive line. Um, you know, you see that with you know injuries to Mackay Beckton. George Fant goes down in the last game. Uh, you know, they had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. They want to make sure they have some quality guys to plug in. And they do have Dan Feeney who's a veteran, uh, but this just adds a little more to that group. And you know, it wasn't a necessity, but they traded an expendable player. You know, right. uh, Daniel Brown barely played for them, so uh, mm-hmm. they got something. That-
little bit more. Um, obviously, you're the expert on this. I'm, I'm not well-versed in this, but can you mentioned him playing along the, the offensive line. Can he play multiple positions along that line or just guard? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I don't know if he's got much tackle experience. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think he could. A lot of guys can switch outside at a pinch right. if they have to, but, you know, he's mostly a guard right now. Okay. Um, Marcus May, still a Jet. Why not get something for him at this point? You know, it's 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 a good question. I mean, you can make an argument that if, if he's not going to be part of their future, um, they should have dealt him. And they're not um, going to the know, playoffs either. And exactly. So, so what's the point of keeping him around? Yes. Well, you know, this is one of those situations where the team sees more value than everyone else. You know, mm-hmm. they look at it as uh, he's a veteran leader on the defense, on a very young defense, has been battered by injuries. They look at it as he's a guy who can help them win some games, which you know may not matter in the long run, but is still important to them. Mm-hmm. And you know they haven't, I don't think, completely ruled out bringing him back. I think they assume his price is going to be too high, but you never know. So they look at that and they think, okay, he's got some value. We'll deal him, but we're not just going to give him away for that seventh or sixth round pick, especially when the Jets have so many draft picks next year. It's not that they need round. So they set an asking price, and I was told that they were looking for a third-round pick for him, and I also heard from teams that might be interested that you know they were going to, if they had gotten that far, they were going to ask the Jets to pay some of his salary, yeah. which I don't think the Jets were going to be willing to do. Um, you know, So basically, the, you know, the Jets just decided, for what we think we can get in return for him, he has more value to us now, even if the rest of the world doesn't see it. They, you know, they, they think he can, he can help them win at the moment which still means something to them. The third rounder, obviously a little bit of salary, but the third rounder, I think that's a fair ask. Do you? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, even guys who are expendable, it doesn't make sense just to hand them away for nothing. Right. Um, you know, again, that sixth, seventh round pick to me would have been a waste. Would You know, if somebody came and offered a fourth, I, I guess I, I might have thought about it because, again, you know, in my head, Marcus May is not coming back next year. Right. And, Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm the Jets, look, the best-case scenario is they look a lot better, but they go 2-15 and 15 and get a really high draft pick. So I don't particularly care about the wins and losses. Right. But I can see why they do and, you know, why it matters, why he might be an influence in the locker room. So, um, yeah, I think a third is reasonable. I think if they got offered a fourth, I probably would have done it. But I don't know that I would have gone much lower than that. I didn't see the whole press conference in its entirety from a few hours ago with Joe Judge. I mean, Joe Douglas, sorry. Um, but did anybody... I did all the time. <laughs> I know. It's, and Aaron Judge. There's so many different names around here. But um, did anybody ask Joe Douglas about trading for Joe Flacco before ever seeing Mike White engineer a game? Oh, that's a good question. I don't remember. I've had so much going on today, so many press conferences. I don't remember him being asked that specific question. I know that I think he was. He did talk about him and his influence in the locker room. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the question was that was phrased, but you know they do like his influence in the locker room as a backup. And I think they feel like even if he doesn't play, it's still worthwhile to them. Now I don't, you know, I don't necessarily believe that. I think that their intention was they were going to uh, get Flacco here to play, mm-hmm. and they just didn't see Mike White coming. You know, they they figured Mike White would. First of all, I think they figured Joe Flacco would arrive right away and he'd play a couple of games. But even after that, I think they thought, well, Mike White's going to go out there. It's not going to be great. And 
you know, Joe Flacco will come in and settle everything down. So, um, you know, I guess you can't blame them for not seeing Mike White doing what he did. But, you know, their, their justification for dealing for a draft pick for a guy who might not even be active, might not even, certainly won't even play at this point, was just that he's going to be a good influence on Zach Wilson. And, you know, that's what matters most. We've got Ralph Vacchione here with us. You know, and here's the other thing. I watched Robert Sala say, you know, you guys can have fun with the quarterback controversy, but we know what we have in that room and everything. So I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't believe it either. Like, you, you watched Mike White every day at practice, and now you ended up giving up a, a draft pick in order to get Flacco to bench him. Like, it doesn't, that doesn't equate in my, my logical mind. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And that's coming from somebody, you know, I, I clamored for them to sign a veteran backup forever for a long, Me long too. time. They should never have gotten to the point where they traded a draft pick for him. Yep. Um, you know, and I, I thought when they did it, I thought, okay, well, this is this is a good move. They're, they're making the smart play finally, um, getting the guy they should have gotten all along. Right. And he's going to go in there and play. But, you know, again, if I didn't see Mike White at practice, they, maybe they should have seen it coming. I obviously had no idea that Mike White could do that, that, you know, he was that capable. Um, but, yeah, maybe they should have had a little better grasp. Uh, I don't know that anybody could have seen 400 yards and three <laughs> touchdowns, but they probably could have foreseen, okay, he can go in there and do okay. Right. All right, let's move to Giants. Uh, no moves, clearly. Um, why not? Um, you know, it's honestly the same answer as you get about Marcus May. It's that they have more value on their players than everybody outside. They, you know, looked at the guys who people were talking about, Evan Ingram, yes. Darius Slayton, and they didn't want to give them away. Uh, and for a variety of reasons, I think that, you know, first of all, Slayton is a young player who's under contract for next year, so, right. um, you know, they certainly weren't going to give it. That's kind of a valuable asset. Yes. Um, Ingram is not under contract, but they like him as a player. They haven't given up on the idea that he can be back next year at a somewhat affordable rate. Um, you know, I don't think they think he's going to get a big contract in free agency. And maybe just as important when they look at their roster right now, you know, they're, they haven't given up on the season, even though maybe they should. But they're trying to build their offense. They're trying to get Daniel Jones going. And, you know, he just keeps losing weapons. You know, Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay yeah. and Saquon Barkley and now Kadarius Tony. And you're going to go in there and take Evan Ingram and Darius Slayton away too? I, I don't think they could justify that especially if it wasn't for a decent price. And, you know, to me, I don't know what it was, but, you know, maybe a fourth-round pick for Evan Ingram or a fifth-round pick, something like that. And, you know, I don't think the value around the league was high enough for them to do that. But then I think, too, as you were talking, obviously it is the last year of his deal. Why not trade him, get something for him, and then he's going to be a free agent? I mean, right at the end of the season anyway, you can re-sign him at that point. Yeah, I mean, look, I agree. And, you know, I felt the same way with uh, – Landon Collins a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a guy, when your season is over, and maybe they maybe they're in denial, but their season's over at two and six. When your season is over, you got a guy that's you know you're not going to re-sign before the end of the year. Um, he's heading to free agency. Maybe he figures into your plans. Maybe he doesn't. Get what you can for him. Think about the future. Um, but you know, again, they they feel like. You know, would I would I have given him for a seventh or a sixth round pick? I, I might have done that. I think I've got other players that can plug in, but they just don't want to give him away. They wanted the price they could get, and you know, if they have to keep him, their feeling is great. We've got nine games left that we got to win, and he's going to help us win. I don't know that they can win enough to make it matter, but you know, they think differently. And my final question for you, Ralph Vacchiano from SNY. Um, 
this whole thing, this whole trade deadline thing with the Giants, I'm wondering, and this is just me wondering out loud, is this an indictment on Gettleman? Like maybe do they not want him to make any significant changes because he might be out of a job at season end? Yeah, it's it's a good question. And I, I don't think that they would go to him and say, you know, we don't know about your future. Don't do anything. I think that, you know, had he come up with some kind of bold move that would have clearly been designed to save his job and but might hurt the team's future, I think John Mara might have stepped in and said, whoa, I don't think we can do that. Um, you know, and, and I gave, gave smart and he's working. You know, John Mara's in those meetings. Joe Judge is in those meetings. You know, they're all talking about it. They're, they've been pretty adamant of, you know, look, we're going to see if we can find somebody that can help us now, but we're always going to keep the future in mind too. So I think, you know, I don't know that there was sort of an edict like that. I think certainly there were people watching to make sure he didn't do anything crazy. I don't think that would have been in him anyway. Look, the Giants aren't one player or two players away from saving his job as it is. There was mm-hmm. nobody out there that could have come in and changed it around. But, uh, you know, I think he had the autonomy to do something if he wanted to, but you know, there probably just wasn't much that they could do. Got it. Well, Ralph Vacchiano, I, I know it's a very, very busy day for you. But by the way, but party Italiano, Vacchiano. It's, you, know, you got it right, Vacchiano. No, no. Do you speak Italian? Oh, do I speak Italian? No. No wonder I didn't understand what you were saying. <laughs> Not at all. I, uh, no, my parents didn't, and you know, my grandparents probably did a little bit, but they died when I was really young, yeah. so... I had no I'm the least Italian Italian anybody's ever known. Oh man, we got I got to give you some lessons. <laughs> oh, please. I'd love it. Well, Ralph, thanks so much for carving out some time for us tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. That was Ralph Vacchiano on the hotline. SNY insider, SNY, SNY TV, Giants, Jets. Did a little whole league uh perspective. Ralph, great job. Awesome. Enjoyed having you on. And, and now it's your turn. 877-337-6666. Let's, me and you, talk about how the NFL's trade deadline did its best impression of the month of March. Going out like a lamb around these parts. The Giants stood pat, as you just heard, and as you know. And the Jets made a move on a guard for a rarely used tight end. Thoughts on your team's moves? New York football fans, 877-337-6666. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight. We'll hit you with some Lincoln Park here on the rejoin. DJ Pauly R on the ones and twos. So trade deadline came and went here in New York, really. Giants pretty much did nothing. Joe Judd said it was uh, they did with what was best for quote the long uh, no Joe Judge said they did what was best for the team long term that's a quote from him um, in my opinion Evan Ingram on this team is not in the best interest of the Giants long term I mean are they really going to resign him like no I don't think so I don't think they should I don't I, they better not and. This is the last year he has on his deal, which we just talked about with Rafa Vacchiano. So why not get something for him? And if you really like him, then he's going to be a free agent. So re-sign him back. Ralph just told you the, uh, the the price tag wouldn't be too high, he doesn't think. So, okay, trade him now. Get something for him. Trade him to the, to the uh, Green Bay Packers. Get a fourth rounder. Who cares? 
and then get sign him back if you really like him. And then the Jets, Joe Douglas said, with this youth, I feel like we have a really interesting mix. Okay. Marcus May, they wanted a third-round pick, and they wanted the Jets to, the other team wanted the Jets to pick up some of the salary, So says Vacchiano, and I, I thought that was a fair ask, except for the picking up of the salary. Forget that. And uh, Crowder and Mims were asked about it as well. They, I'm glad that they didn't trade Mims. Crowder, I guess they like his veteran presence in the room full of young players besides Corey Davis. And then uh, the Jets, the biggest move probably here in New York was sending a, a, a rarely used tight end, Dan Brown, not the author, the tight end. By the way, Dan Brown is an excellent author. The Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons, awesome. But they, they didn't trade the author. They traded the tight end to the Chiefs for a guard, uh, Dr. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. And uh, Douglas said, this is a quote, he opted out last year. He came back. He had a great preseason, had a hand injury that kept him out of some games. But again, I'd like to say with Joe Flacco, it's an opportunity to add a Super Bowl champion to the room. You guys know how I feel about offensive and defensive line. If there's an opportunity to improve that room, we're going to do it. LDT brings that championship pedigree, high-character person, obviously a very smart guy. So adds depth to the O-line. His contract is expiring at the end of the season, but you traded a guy that you don't even use anyway for him. I'm on board. I'm on board with a rookie quarterback and some injuries along that line. Uh, yeah, I'm on board for it. So Douglas, good job. Giants, not so sure. What do you guys think? 877-337-6666 is the number to call. To Camden we go. Kevin, you're up on the fan. What's up, Coach? How are you? Kevin, you're you're pumped up about something tonight. You tweeted me. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah, I'm ready. Um, Mr. Mike White, I don't know if you're listening, but in case you are, I quickly need to informally need to apologize to you because I said this, and I'm going to quote myself, which I never usually do, <laughs> that you have no chance. Last week, I had no faith in him, is what I said, word for word. I had no faith in you and Mr. Mike White. I mean, for one week, you certainly proved me wrong. For one week, I I mean, you balled out. And I got to give you props. Kid, you impressed me, kid. Now, I got to say this. I agree with you, Coach, that he, I don't think he has a long-term with the Jets. But I do think if he's, if he balls out like this again, He's setting up for his own long-term future. Yeah. Because I did a, I did a comp. I did my homework. Oh, look at you. You did a I comp. Did a, I did a comp. Tell me. Um, Jimmy G, he was with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. You know, I know nobody thought he was going to be a long-term answer there. But I know Belichick wanted him, but I know that, but it still wasn't going to happen. But he played, and he played pretty well. And look what he did. He, he parlayed that into a deal. Right. With the Niners, and look, at, and he's doing pretty well for himself right now. I, I think say, for yeah. Mr. White, it's going to be a very similar situation. Now, I, and he's going to deserve it. He plays out like he did this week. He definitely deserves it. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo, I, five-year, one hundred. I'm going to round up hundred and thirty-eight million dollar uh, deal. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's going to be as good as he is, but right. he, he's playing as well as he is. He can definitely parlay into it. Mm-hmm. Good, good point there, Kevin. Look at you. I'm, you know I'm doing. Hey, I told you I was ready this week. I, I mean, I was working. I was ready to go. I'm ready. I'm pumped up. But as far as far as the Jets, you should have. I mean, you should have gotten rid of uh, May. I, I I hate to say it. I love May, but you yeah. had to have gotten something because I, I have a feeling, and it's just me, that it's gonna be another Jamal Adams thing. For me, it's gonna be. It's gonna be. Gonna be well, not not in the not in the not in the negative kind of way that Jamal left, but like they're gonna get rid of him. Whether he, because I don't think he's going to come back either. 
Yeah, I don't think I, he's going to come I back. I don't see it. Me neither. And I got to say, I yep. gotta say, getting uh, Mr. Dr. Levon, uh, I can't say the name, but yeah. getting that girl was a good move. I really think that the just need the online. So I'm really content with that. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Good. Just did pretty good in the Giants. Yeah. I'll get into that another week because <laughs> I, have, I have a whole lot to say about that. Oh, yeah. All right. Joe Judge, Joe Judge with the, oh, the, the headset's not working. Oh, don't even yeah. get, don't even get me started because I, I, I could go on about that all night. But I'll, I'll save that for Saturday if, if I, you know, I'll be on. Yeah, Saturday, five I'll to nine. Saturday. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Wait, I'll be there. You know me, coach. You got it, Kevin. Thank you for that. Hey, Appreciate thanks it. for coach. Appreciate it. You too, Kevin. Okay, so the one thing I will say about May is, yes, I believe he also should have been traded. However, we're not in the room, you guys. We're we're not there. And we don't know what the Jets were offered for him. They could have been offered a fifth, a fourth. We don't know. I think a fair ask would be a third rounder for a guy that you could plug into the middle of your defense tomorrow. I thought a third rounder would be a good ask. Now, the salary payment part, I can't get on board with that. I like when, when the GMs of our teams do that. Like, I'll be honest, I, I did like when Cashman did that with, with Rizzo and Gallo. I did. But I don't like have, having it done to us on any of our teams. So uh, I, I think that was a smart move to not have to. If, if this is the story, you know, which Ralph Vacchiano just told you it was, if that's the story, then, then I'm glad they kind of stood pat on him, you know? And. Just because you think he's going to be gone at the end of the season or you might want him gone at the end of the season doesn't mean you should kind of settle for anything and get robbed. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of like that move if the Jets were not offered at least a third rounder for him. I'm so happy they did not trade Denzel Mims. And they got calls weeks ago, weeks ago on Denzel, like week four, I believe, were the first calls made to the Jets on Denzel Mims. Now you saw him get like a little bit of an uptick in touches this past week, which is which is good. And man, I had a anytime touchdown scorer on him to win ninety plus my my ten dollars back, win a hundred bucks. And maybe you were listening live on Sunday when it happened. They found him in the end zone. It hit off his chest protector, his numbers, and it went bouncing to the ground, incomplete. Oh, man. Oh, man. Ah, that was bad. That was bad. And then someone tweeted me and said, well, maybe that's why they – because he can't catch a ball in the end zone, maybe that's why he hasn't been playing. Maybe you're right. I think I'm still going to bet on this this Thursday night, though. I'm I'm very stubborn, and I'm going to just keep pushing it and keep pushing it until it happens. But Kyle Rudolph made me 60 bucks richer last night. Yeah. I'm not going to spend it all in one place. Kyle Rudolph, anytime touchdown scorer. And my dad also have Evan Ingram with his his dollar bet. He won three dollars and thirty cents. He texted me this morning. <laughs> Good for you, Dad. Good job. We've got an update coming your way with Bob Usler and more of your calls on the way at eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Your official station to talk Knicks, the Fan on one zero one nine FM and the Odyssey app. Before midnight here on The Fan, we've got Hardwell bringing you in to our final hour. 
Get aboard 877-337-6666. As you just heard, the World Series might be as as good as over. As good as over. Everybody, the, the Atlanta Braves, as you just heard, 26 years in the making. They've taken a 6 nothing lead. The bottom of the fifth with two outs. In Houston, that's the one thing. I, when you win big games, I—I I, I mean, I, you want to win the big games, you do. But to do it away, uh, you know, not in front of the home fans. I don't know, but it looks as though Atlanta is going to be uh, beating the Astros. And as far as who I was rooting for in this, where my rooting interests lie, I mean, the Houston Astros disgraced the game of baseball. So really. I was rooting for whichever team was going to beat the Astros. And this year, it's the Braves. Maybe. Potentially. We'll see. You know, um, the other day, uh, I told you about... What day was that? Saturday, I guess I was on. I'm losing track of days. Saturday afternoon, I was on. And I told you that story about how the kids at school were were challenging me on the basketball court and how I got some street cred with the sixth graders because I was kicking all their butts. Yeah? Okay. So... Something else happened today. There was a kid, the same kid, actually, who asked me if I knew how to play basketball. The same kid. Today, he said to me, hey, um, this is a direct quote. He said, do you play MLB? I'm like, baseball? Do I play baseball? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I play softball, but I used to play baseball. And he said, yeah? Huh. I really want to say, kid, you don't even know. You don't even know. You thought I was good at basketball. Nah, that was like my third best sport. <laughs> but we were inside the classroom. I couldn't take him on the field and show him how it's done. But uh, maybe that's coming up. Maybe a home run derby is coming up before it gets too cold. Uh, I'll keep you guys updated in, in fourth period lunch. I'll keep you guys updated. Let's go back to the phones at 877-337-6666. We've got Giants on the table tonight. Trade deadline stuff. Across the league, Jets, if you want to go into some baseball, we can do that as well. I mean, whatever. Whatever you guys want to do, I'm here for you. Whatever you want to do, I'm here for you, okay? 877-337-6666. Let's go out to Bay Ridge. Joe, you're up on the fan. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Joe? I'm good. I'm just uh, debating whether or not I should go to the game this Sunday and just have my face in my hands for another game. <laughs> you know, I was kind of thinking about going to this game this Sunday, too, actually. The only thing I think that'll probably be fun about it is that the Raiders fans are... So when oh, no, they, Joe, you're, they, cu- you're cutting out. There's some, the last we uh, heard was the Raiders yeah. fans are... Uh, the Raiders fans are maniacs, so it usually makes for a good environment at the game. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. Uh main issue, I think, here is that Gettleman and the way he's drafted is just, just keeps setting the, setting the team back. Like, Tony's a good player. I like him. But I would have taken Slater at their pick. Forget about the trade down. Yeah. I would have kept Zeitler. Solder is toast. I don't even know why he's on the team. And you let a guy like Tomlinson walk out of the building who was like a, a guy that was a captain, integrity, a leader on the team, and you let him walk out and you spent all this other money on, on players that were not here. You gave Galladay 18 million bucks. 
for he played three games for the Lions last year, and now he's injured again. Like the the way that they approach building the team is the problem. If you look at the Cowboys, their offense doesn't work with the five guys up without the five guys up front. Right, and, and that's where the Giants continue to mess up. I feel like I've been talking about the offensive line for 10 years. Yeah, right. They killed Eli's last three or four years mm-hmm. of his career because of a poor O-line. They just need to get it. Oh, no, Joe. You're in a you're in a bad spot there, Joe. Sorry, but we got most of the call here. Uh, you know, listen, I can go either way on, on Gettleman. You brought up some good points um, of guys that he let walk, guys that he, you know, Tomlinson, obviously, good player. He made, or he, this year, this season, making $16 million yearly cash, though. So that's one thing. You know, was he that good? And he had a potential out after 2022. Was he he that great? I don't know. Clearly, the Giants did not think so. He's got a base salary of $1 million, signing bonus, roster bonus, workout bonus, all, all these things. Um I agree with you on the Tony pick. I, I was also aboard with that. I, I think that uh, it was kind of a mistake knowing, not not the player now. Um, at the time, I thought it was a huge mistake because I, I question, outwardly questioned that guy's commitment to the game of football with all the other things he has going on. And believe me, I, I'm, I'm one of those people, but I am committed to both. He, to me, didn't seem like he was committed to both. And that was kind of the thing I had with him. And, and there were other players that like Slater that were still on the board uh, for the Giants, that they should have gone up and got them instead of another wide receiver. Galladay, sure, injury history there. I thought it was also a good signing. I did because the Giants were missing. And they have like little finesse guys like a Sterling Shepard, like a Darius Slayton. They didn't have a guy that can go up, make a contested catch, and that's what Kenny Galladay's MO is. And and I liked it because of that. Um, He's hurt. It is what it is. You know, and, and 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 all that, and so on and so on. We can go round and around and around with Dave Gettleman. Ultimately, what I would like to see the Giants do is get a guy in there or a woman in there that is more kind of with the. I'm not. I mean, I guess I am saying that Dave Gettleman isn't with like the, the modern day game. I, I guess I am saying that, but more with it. You know what I'm saying? Like analytics driven instead of like buying two two IBM computers with the the backs on them you know and the old monitors you know what I'm talking about with the towers you know I I recently bought a new computer an iMac you know and and the tower is in the the monitor and my dad was looking at he goes where's the tower oh dad you know and my dad's not that old so it's like I understand like you need someone in there that that is 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 younger and is more with it I, I would agree with that. But for now, I'm keeping the coach. And I don't think you could package them as a package deal, both in or out. I know that's a weird timeline, and I don't like it either. But I would really like to see what this coach can do with a full complement of all of the guys that are supposed to be on the field for him. That's what I would say. Let's go to Levittown. Tom, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Tom? Doing good, doing good. Uh just uh, touch on the Jets trade deadline and uh, about the game this week. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. So I think, you know, adding the offensive line depth, never a bad thing. Yes. You, know, you can never have too much offensive line. It, especially for uh, a guy that didn't even play for you, basically, really. Yeah, I mean, getting him for nothing, like I said, 
nothing wrong with that. Right. As far as not trading May, I mean, I agree and disagree. Yeah, you want to get rid of him to get something, but at the same time, you don't want to make a trade just for the sake of making the trade. Exactly. It's got to make sense for you. Yeah, you don't want to get fleeced in the deal. So, and then uh, going back to the game, I think this was the perfect game and game plan for Zach Wilson to sit and watch. Yep. To see that not everything's got to be the home run ball. Get the ball to your playmakers in space. Let them create for you, and it'll take the burden off you. Yeah, but how many weeks do you let him sit and watch just while he's hurt, right? No, I mean, yeah, but just while he's hurt. Not that this is, you know, yes. Mike White is the, uh, the next coming of Brady and that he's taken over. Right. I just think as a learning perspective, like you said, you know, you can take your trip downs, get your ball, some uh, Elijah Moore, guys like that in space, let them create. Not everything's got to be the home run and look play. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. And just watch and learn. And I'm with you on the game plan and everything um, about that. You know, like, you're right. Nothing has to be the home run ball. And I think as a young quarterback, you want to try to do so much and show that, hey, this is why they brought me in here. I can hit that home run ball. Everybody knows that already. They've seen you on the tape. They picked you because of it. Okay, now you have to work on where I would like to see Zach Wilson improve the rest of the season. I'll tell you where. It's those those throws that are like... I call them intermediary throws. It's like those balls that are like between 10 and 20 yards in that little intermediary zone. He's not great at them. And I would like to see a vast improvement in that area there. Uh, let's go to Nick and Beth Page. You're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. What's going on? Uh, not much. Doing a show. What are you doing? Good, good. Um, I want to get your take on the Jones situation because, mm-hmm. and if I could get this out, I have two ways of looking at it. The one way is, when we were in the offseason, we all kind of agreed. We said, Giants finally got weapons. We drafted Tony. We got Galladay. We mm-hmm. had Rudolph, Ingram, Saquon behind them, obviously, and a good defense last year. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a weak division, we thought, in the NFC East. Um, and we all said the same thing. We said, this is Jones's year where we're going to find out, is he the guy right. or do we need to move on? Right. Now, I want to get your take on it because with all the injuries that you spoke about uh, on your show tonight mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously the Washington game, the, the guy jumps off sides on the game-winning field goal. Mm-hmm. He gets to re-kick. The Atlanta game isn't on Jones. The defense collapsed. You know, do we roll into another season with the same kind of high hopes for Jones and just say, well, we'll find out again this year if Jones is the guy and do we just wing it and say, hopefully these guys stay healthy and hopefully things go right. Or do you think we make a move? Yeah. I like option B. I'm going to pick the the latter there because uh, you you hit it. I mean, how could you evaluate a guy without, and I listen, I know every team has injuries. I get it. I know it. It happens. It's, 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 it's a sports season. I mean, right. Injuries happen. However, the injuries, the magnitude of injuries that have been sustained by this giants team, is really like uh, uh, no other that I've seen. I mean, look at the wide receiver core. I mean, how many of those guys that were expected to start in the beginning of the season are not even seeing the field due to injury now? So it's not fair. It's not fair. And I I know life's not fair, but you cannot assess a quarterback without the full complement or or at least even three-quarters of the complement that's supposed to be around him. And and with all of that said, I kind of think that Daniel Jones has kind of risen above it. He's shown the grit. He's been able to connect on those deep balls. I mean, he, he, he does everything asked of him. 
He is that player. Like, what do you look for? What would you be looking for in a, in a, in a new quarterback? You want a pocket passer? No. Those days are gone. You want a guy that's mobile, right? Okay, check. You want a guy that can hit a deep ball, right? Check. You want a guy that can run the ball, right? Check. I mean, Daniel Jones checks all of the boxes. Yes, I'm rolling with him next year. Yes, I am. And hopefully he, he his team isn't so damn one-dimensional where everybody knows he's going to be throwing the ball. I mean, he's the leading rusher on that team the last I checked. Going into last night's game anyway, he was the leading rusher on the team. That can't be. If your quarterback is your leading rusher, you've got bigger issues. Right? I think that makes sense. RJ in Astoria, you're up next on The Fan. How you doing, Daniel? I spoke to you um, in early July, and I knew I knew a star was being born. <laughs> and I also hope you get um, Mr. Summers' job because you deserve it, and you you know you have a really good future for you. Well, thanks. We'll see what happens. Um, but thank you, though. Yeah, according with the, I want to talk about Mike White a little bit. Is yeah, that he. You know, he did his check downs, you know, threw the ball short and did all that. And that's one thing that Zach Wilson's not doing. He has to get the ball to the open people. And then I think that'll really help him. So I think he should just sit. If they start winning, they're going to stick with him. Yeah, so. I don't think that's the right move, though. I really don't. Because if, if the objective is to win, then you stick with him. But if the objective right. is to develop your quarterback that you just picked, what, second overall – and then you go back to him. That's what I think. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I mean, right? I mean, this season was about developing Zach Wilson. And if playing Mike White is going to hinder the development of Zach Wilson, I don't want to see any more of Mike White. Call me crazy, but, you know? But the coach says, you know, there's no promises. He's going to, you know, he's going to go with the person who's playing the best and yeah. who's going to win for him. Yeah, but I feel like that's what he has to say, right? He's not going to say, "Hey, we're going to we're we're not going to play Mike White" cuz, you know, he's not going to say that. He might be thinking it, but he's not going to say it. Yeah, but the NFL's not for long. It's all about winning. Yeah. Well, I know, RJ. I, I get it. Not for, you know, not for long. It's all about winning. I get it. But if you think long term, what would be better for the Jets long term? To see Mike White or to see Zach Wilson? I think you know the answer to it. It's to see Zach Wilson. And yes, while he's injured, he can watch what's going on. Great. Learn learn by watching is good, too. But there comes a point where you're like, all right, I'm done watching. I, I got to get in there. You know, I, I have to get in there and I have to do it for myself now. Sitting, what would it be, uh, three to four weeks with the injury? That's enough time. That's enough time for a kid like this to get in there and say, okay, I, I got this now. And how great would it be? If Zach Wilson comes back for that Bills game and he's like, team, get on my back. We're beating the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to be there. As a fan, I'm going to be there. I hope to see you there. I'm going to be there. And my friend is a huge Bills fan. I want nothing more than the Jets to beat the Bills in that game. But I'm also not going to put Mike White in that situation to do it. I want to see Zach Wilson do it. And if that means they're going to lose to the Bills, okay. Well, at least he he has a better blueprint and schematic of what they're going to do to him the next time and the next year and the year after that. Right? We haven't talked really yet about this. Headset gate has erupted in Giants land, or at least Joe Judge seems to think so. He offered a cringeworthy critique 
of the NFL's game day protocols. Was he right or was he wrong to point the finger, thus pointing out what could have been seen as a scapegoat big time excuse? 877-337-6666. Your official station to talk about Mike White. They should be trying to Mike White name. He deserves that. And he earned it. Unless he doesn't play well on Thursday. That's what this league is. That's professional sports. Then we'll be your official station to talk about Zach Wilson, the fan on 1019 FM and the Odyssey app. Back to McCartan before midnight here on the fan at 1025 Eastern Time. And the Atlanta Braves are uh, are just a few, a handful of outs away from making uh, their first World Series win in 26 years, which is crazy. Um, But more locally, headset gate. Joe Judge said, and here's a quote, we had to call two timeouts today. Because we're trying to send the deals in personnel-wise, and we have half the headsets aren't getting any reception. He said that the team had issues with the headsets in every game this season so far, and that people involved with that had better get it fixed fast. If there's been uh, issues with these headsets in every single game so far this season, as he says, why are we hearing about it now on November 2nd? That's my first point. Okay. Okay. The NFL then put out a statement that said, we are looking into the matter with all involved parties. However, we are confident that nothing is attributable to the Bose headset. We have not been able to identify an issue in last night's game with the Giants communication system. We were not made aware of any issues during the game from the club through our standard communication channels that are used to identify game day issues. Well, isn't this quite the headset gate? Joe Judge doesn't know how to use his timeouts properly or regrets using them where he did, and he tried to blame the headsets. And not only did the NFL Communications Department statement whatever say that they haven't heard anything from the Giants last night, Joe Judge is alleging that it's happened every single week so far. Well, I mean, really? You would think the NFL... The, whose, whose commissioner makes $126 million would have this figured out. You would think. By week nine. Or I guess week eight. It just sounds like a clown comment. That's a clown comment, bro. Joe Judge, I, I like, like you, but come on, dude. Just own up to it. You don't want your players making excuses, and you shouldn't either. Either you regret using them when you did, Used him incorrectly. Just come out and say it. Eventually, it's going to get figured out if it hasn't been figured out already. There are no issues with your headset. It makes me think of that Eminem song. Turn a snare up in my headset. I got no snare in my headset. I mean, come on, man. That's a joke. Clown comments. Joe Judge. Keep it moving. Let's go to Cameron in Brooklyn. You're up next on The Fan. Hi, how are you? How's your evening? How's it going? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, just two quick points, yeah. one on the Jets and one on the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Jets, I know everyone is uh, you know, very excited about this whole Mike White thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we also haven't had much to celebrate for the past, I don't know, what, 60 years? Exactly. Um, yeah, so I just think the difference is, um, is what you saw with Mike White 
um, is just that he took what the defense gave him. He, he took the dunks. He gave the open pass. He didn't overthink. And it just looks like Zach is always trying to do a little bit too much, trying to prove himself. So that's, uh, that's just what I saw. I'm very high on Zach. Um, yep. But New York, I guess, is just being New York and just running on the Mike White. Oh, uh, yeah. We're having a ticker tape parade out here uh, next week. <laughs> <laughs> Get your paper uh, ready. <laughs> my point on the Knicks is um, I love the team right now. I love the depth. I love the ball movement. Yes. The only problem that I really have um, is just when the ball goes to Julius Randle, mm-hmm. it just it seems that the offense just stops, and it's just iso ball. He puts the ball on the floor. Everyone just stands around, not really sure what to do. Mm-hmm. And he's a great player, and I just think that the offense, he doesn't play with the offense. He kind of makes it his own thing, and I wouldn't blame him. But for a guy like Thibodeau, who just came out that he didn't exactly get married just to watch basketball, um, I would say I hope he just figures this out quickly because it's going to be it's going to be tough to make it in the playoffs. Uh, when you have a guy that's just stopping the ball when the team is moving so nicely on offense, yeah, and that's it, my it, point. It, so I just want to hear your point about it. Yeah, Cameron, thank you very much. Thanks, good point there. And 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 if if that were to happen again, wouldn't that be last off season? I mean, last playoffs all over again. I mean, that's why the Knicks weren't able to advance because because of Julius Randle trying to t- shoulder the entire load on his shoulders, carry the team. And again, they had depth issues at that point too, and all that. Um, I, I agree with you. Um, I think, though, they'll figure it out. I think they will figure it out. They play a lot of pickup ball when they get to new cities, and that's a Julius Randle thing that he learned from Kobe Bryant. Um, I think they'll figure it out once it really becomes a problem like it did the other night. So, you know, they they do move the ball great. Um, They have good height. They have good shooters. I I think they've got a good mix going on, this Knicks team. And call me crazy, but, you know, this Knicks team is going to make a deep run in the playoffs with the way that they are – constructed and all of that. So um, I'm with you. I think, though, they will figure it out. There are enough veteran minds, whether it be on the coaching staff or, or on the floor itself, to, to figure that out. So I wouldn't be too, too worried about it yet now. Hope that answers the question. Let's go to Ray in Babylon. You're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. Uh, great show. You're full throttle. I'm loving it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what what are the Jets doing? Duvernay Tardif bringing in a veteran lineman? I mean, it's just so unjet like. What a great move! Oh, I was like, uh, wait, that's a that's a good thing. I, I wasn't sure where you were going I with that. Know. <laughs> it's it's so unjet like that we get this beautiful move. I know. After we're just glowing <laughs> after the Mike White beautiful uh, work of art game. Oh, that, that was the Jets Super Bowl. I I hope you watched all of it. And I hope you enjoyed it. I did, and, and you know what's great thing about this? We're two and five, yeah, and we're feeling great. Oh, it's wonderful! Been great to be a Jet fan. <laughs> wonderful! It's been a great week. I think they're going to beat the but, Chiefs, but, the, the Colts tomorrow night. I hate to say it. Well, I, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I, I'm just soaking in this trade. I, I feel almost as good about this trade with uh, Duvernay Tardif as I do about Mike White. I mean, this is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, who who knows? Maybe the Jets are going to turn the corner. But you know, I got my son who's a Jet fan, and I always said I committed jet, uh, child abuse <laughs> by raising a poor kid a Jet fan. But damn, days like this, you got to soak him in. You know, Ray, I, he's probably full of a lot of character. Your son. Oh, that's sweet of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of character to, to be a Jet fan. 
But, you know, we stick it out for days like this, you know? Yeah, no, I, I know. It's exciting. And you know what? What was the last thing Jeff fans could be really that excited about? I mean, really, what was the last the, thing? The, I'm going to tell you right now, the, the 2010 game against uh, the Steelers, the Patriots in the playoffs when we went to the AFC uh, yep. championship. And that was it. How many years ago was that? 11 I years mean, ago. That, I mean, that's that's the famous can't wait quote, you yep. know. Uh, yep. But, I mean, other than that, I can't think of anything in recent history that's making us feel this good. Nope. And you know what? Enjoy it. Like you said, soak it in. Mike White mania has descended upon Manhattan. And here's something else. Strength of schedule remaining. Don't look now, but the New York Jets have the second easiest strength of schedule remaining in the league. In the entire league. And among the easiest opponents listed, guess who? The Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts who are fed up with that quarterback named Carson Wentz. I think the Jets are getting the Colts at, at the right time. And I think the Jets can beat them. I really do. And it has nothing to do really with Mike White and really more to do with the Colts and, and, and their ability to, I don't know, overcome their their uh, their uh, difficulties, we'll call them. Um, but listen. Daniel Jones had a great game when he first, you know, first came out in uh, what was it in Tampa, right? His first game. There was no tape on him. The tape is out now on Mike White. So let's Jets fans temper, temper, and we'll have to just wait and see what happens. But I think the Jets and all they're like what ten and a half point underdogs. I mean, that's a big number, ten and a half point underdogs. I like. I'd like also, too, that when, when you look at the box score, and I kind of want to pull it up just to be very very positive here. When you look at that box score versus Cincinnati, I believe I, he, he connected with 10 different receivers is what I think, and that's really good to see. Let me just count them up here. On uh, That's the other team. Defense, scoring, kicking. Where are the Jets? Come on. Oh, I just clicked. I'm sorry. I clicked on the Bengals team. I'm like, wait a second. What? Ah. No, I hate when you see technology. Sometimes it doesn't work. All right, box score. I just want to make sure I'm, I, I, I got this right. Uh, New York Jets receiving one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten different receivers. I was right. Ten different receivers caught passes in that game. That's really tough to game plan against when you've got ten different guys that can make a catch in in any given situation. And. Again, the coming out party for Michael Carter. Besides, if Mike White didn't happen, everybody would be talking about this other guy, this other Mike, Mike Michael Carter. Nine receptions for 95 yards out of the backfield. I mean, that's more yards than than Jamison Crowder. And longer average rece- yards per reception than Jamison Crowder. And more targets. So, I, you know, I, I think I think the Jets match up well and, and call me crazy. The two and five Jets, I think, match up well against this Colts team. Mike White threw the ball 45 times. I think that's going to be a little less this time, a little less. And how about Shaq Lawson? Shaq Lawson. I I was laughing out loud. I watched him doing a a post-game interview, and and I'm sure you've heard by now, but that was his first interception ever, like ever, ever in his life. And he, he, you know, he made the interception. Then I went back and watched it. But he said he made the interception, and then he didn't know what to do. He he didn't know how to celebrate it. 
<laughs> so I went back and watched it, and he kind of just, you're right, he didn't, he didn't know what to do, which I think was hilarious. But Shaq Lawson coming up big in a big spot. One interception, one yard return. I mean, it was all going for the Jets. It, it really was. It was it was going for the Jets, and who would have thought that they would have came in there? And I, I know I didn't, and I'll be the first to admit it. I, I did not think that the Jets were going to beat the Bengals 34-31. I did nail the Bengals' score for 31, though, but nobody could predicted what Mike White did and how effective he was against that Bengals team. I mean, I was on the air. I mean, I had one eye watching the game and and, and two ears on, on, on you, the callers, and, and all that. And I kept looking up like, whoa, Jets might win this game. Whoa, there's another touchdown? Wow. And, of course, the defense played well. And we talked about this, too, how the, that Jet defense plays so much better with C.J. Mosley in it. And, and me and my uncle, my uncle's a huge Jet fan, and we were talking – uh, on the way home, I called him uh, on the way home that day, too, after the Jets postgame ended up. And I said, you know, we were talking about what C.J. Mosley means to the team, et cetera, et cetera. We were like, how can one guy kind of pull the unit all together in the way that, that C.J. Mosley can? It, it's, it's unfathomable. And yet, the games where he's out, they fall apart. And the games that he's in, they seem to... to to gel and, and play nicely together. I just, man, that really speaks to, to, to C.J. Mosley and his ability to, to, to pull everybody together. And it was a good game, and they were good in all facets. And they, my, I told you, the best part about that game were the camera shots of Joe Burrow, kerfuffled Joe Burrow, slamming his helmet against the little heater things that stick up against the bench, and uh, I mean, uh, out of the top of the bench. And that was the best part. And then the the quote from the the defensive end. <laughs> the quote from the defensive end. Where was it? I gotta find it. He was. Uh, oh God, where was it? Wait, let me see if I can pull it here because it made me laugh out loud. It really did, and I was like, "Wow, if you're wearing green, it was great, but if you were wearing the other team's colors." Bengals defensive end, Sam Hubbard. He only had five tackles, by the way. He was, I wrote the word, shell-shocked by Mikey and the Jets. And he said, it still doesn't seem real. <laughs> it still doesn't seem real that you were beat by the New York Jets. Ah! Oh, I love it. I love it. And uh, did you hear uh, the new news about Jacob deGrom? Uh, yeah. Uh, Jacob deGrom went a little bit in-depth about that uh, That that mysterious forearm elbow injury that he had going on. And this will be your last chance to get aboard at 877-337-6666. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Google, play WFAN. McCartan before midnight for the last time here on WFAN Radio. Uh, as I look at the TV in the studio, at the Atlanta Braves 7, the Houston Astros 0, top of the 7, 2 outs. Now this game, and I know anything can happen, but this game is, uh, I'm going to say, as good as over. So I know it won't end, um, it's going to end on my way home. So uh, I just want to say, 
maybe premature, but congratulations to the Atlanta Braves having won, I think, my opinion, the World Series. And I, and I know you Atlanta fans are be like, what is she saying? Don't do it. Don't mush us. But the game will end, and uh, you guys can give Steve Summers a call. Uh, the Steve Summers is coming up after this show. Um, he's on deck. He, he's waiting. He's ready. And he'll be there to take your World Series reaction calls, and your Giants and your Jets and all that. Uh, but one thing I did see today is uh, I couldn't believe what I was reading, actually. Um, Jacob deGrom was, was opening up about his injury kind of for the first time. Everybody remembers him. Where was it? Miami, right? In Miami, he he was ducking reporters, jumping into the stands and running away from reporters, which I thought was it's kind of funny a little bit. I kind of like chuckled like like no reporter is going to be able to catch him. Maybe I could, but but no reporter would be able to catch him if they ended up chasing after him. Like I just imagine them chasing after him. And what would happen? But um, he said, you know, he took a lot of responsibility. He, um, he said, man, I should be out there playing. I should be out there taking the ball every fifth day. It's so frustrating, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But the part which I was kind of like, what? Here's the paragraph, and this is from uh, MLB.com. This is Anthony DeComo's article. Although the MRI revealed nothing more than a mild forearm strain, DeGrom's arm discomfort spread from his forearm to his elbow in the ensuing days. He believes now, and this is crazy, he believes now that the positioning of his arm in the MRI tube exacerbated the issue. And it was described as he laid on his stomach with his elbow raised above him for nearly an hour. And he said, I honestly think that's what aggravated it. And I'm thinking like, wait a minute. Uh... I mean, I went for my first MRI ever on my shoulder, I guess. And and I didn't have to. I, I just laid like normal. Like, I kind of closed my eyes and relaxed a little bit, honestly, in there. And I know it's very loud and stuff, but I was able to. I was able to tune it out. But I'm th- And then I was like thinking, of like, all right, when you get a massage, right? right and, you, and you lay on the table. Like, the first massage I ever got, I didn't. No one told me what to do with my arms. I, I put them up, up. And I, my arms were really hurting me. Like for a couple of days afterwards, and I, I didn't even want to tell anybody. And I'm telling thousands of people now. I, I know that, but when I was in high school, my friend took us out for her birthday, and we got massages. And I didn't know that you shouldn't shouldn't hang your arms off the like head side of the table. I didn't know you're supposed to like keep them tucked into your body. I, no one told me that, and my arms were hurting me. So I, you know, I, I in a way, I kind of sort of believe this, but I mean. This is a medical professional positioning a the best pitcher in baseball in an MRI tube. I kind of find it kind of hard to believe that someone would position him the wrong way to cause more of an injury. So that man, I that was uh, was crazy to read today. Really, that that's just so Mets. Like a bad positioning of an elbow and an MRI tube contributed contributed to him staying out longer, and therefore the Braves, by the cumulative property of logic, 
or the transitive property of logic, the Braves winning the World Series. Jacob Degrom, bad positioning in an MRI machine, is going to have the the Braves walking it off tonight in Houston, World Series champions. See, can't make it up. But, and I've talked about it here before, everybody thought when the Braves lost their best player that they were down and out of it. And that front office was like, not today. They went out and they rebuilt their entire outfield. And here they are, about to win the World Series. Crazy story, if you really think about it. Let's go to the calls. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. Brian in West Palm, you're up on the fan. Hi, Daniel. I spoke to you uh, like a month ago. I grew up in Westbury, Long Island. Uh-huh. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Yankees and the Giants, so I, a couple of points. I'll make them really quick. I think uh, one of your other cohorts even said today, and it, it rung a, ball, a bell in my head, does Hal want to make money or does he want to win? When, when his father was on the earth, it was all about winning, and the money came secondary. It's going to come anyway. But the, Hal's got to decide that winning comes first, and not it's not all about money because he went to the University of North Carolina mm-hmm. and he got his accounting degree from Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. I know he's smart, but the Yankees have to develop the players, and too much of the Yankees' philosophy has been all power right. and no speed, no athleticism, right. and bad defense. You know, they, they bang into so many double plays, Danielle, and I think the Yankees can go out in the free agent market and solve it, and also through, you know, uh, some good trades, possibly, you know, getting rid of Sanchez and bringing, bringing in uh, Trevor Barnhart from the, Red, uh, from the Cincinnati Reds or even going to San Diego and getting this guy, Falk, uh, Capitano, he's a, a, a number five catcher for the San Diego Padres. So I just want to, you know, voice my opinion on the Yankees that it can get done, but they have to, they have to do it smart and they have to do it right. They can't be going out like Cashman did and getting uh, uh, power hitters like uh, um, Gallo from Texas, who strikes out a lot. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No, it's it's a philosophical shift that the Yankees are going to need. They they need a philosophical shift of guys that can can take bases, go first to third, and, and I'm not sure that the 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 payroll and the roster maneuverability is actually there based on the contracts that Brian Cashman has doled out to this team. I know I totally agree with it. Thanks very much for giving me the time because you know I went to Florida State and I know baseball and following the Yankees my whole life and it hurts me a lot because you know I think it has an answer right there with Greg Allen in the field. Danielle, yeah. yep. I saw him a minimum, but I was impressed. Yeah, it but, was a good but Brian, guess what? And I agree with you completely. But guess what? Aaron Hicks is coming back, and you don't think they're going to put him out there with his seventy million dollar contract? He's going to be the center fielder for sure. Yeah, but Which is crazy. Or he's going to end up on the DL by my birthday in May. Danielle. Hey, when's your birthday? I'm in May, May too. Thir- May 30th. Ah, I'm May 17th. That's a, yeah, great. You're a smart girl, I know. I enjoy talking sports. I'm the Giants also. Yeah. The, the philosophy, I think that Gettleman has to go after this season. The reason why, you can't blame it on Dandy Jones. The offensive line was terrible, mm-hmm. and Gettleman didn't improve it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He could have yeah. went out and gotten a, a, a tackle in the first round or a tackle in the second round. Didn't do it. Or ta- or, or any anywhere in that draft. 
didn't well, do it. Yeah, yeah, well, you agree with me. It was just, it's horrible at Daniel Jones. He has he he doesn't have the protection. He, and, and with with not having Shaquan Barkley and uh, having all the guys out, the the the, uh, the two receivers out, he doesn't have time. Well, you know why didn't he go out and and get like a a stud tackle mm-hmm. or even like a stud tight end? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, help. I, I do. I just I get frustrated because it's like I. I, I love the Yankees and I love the Giants and it bothers me that the general general managers are are like in quicksand. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I know, I get it. I understand the frustration. And the the uh the final caller, the Mariano Rivera of the night. Paul, we've got about forty five seconds. Go ahead. Yeah, I know, I know. I was talking to the screen. Thanks, man. Thank oh sorry. Thanks for uh uh Daniel. Daniel for having me on. Uh, two part question the Jets, real quick. You no, know, I mean I watched the team lose to the Panthers, the Patriots twice, the Broncos, all right? Mm-hmm. And, and now all of a sudden, they beat the freaking Titans with a great game in overtime. They beat the Bengals. They totally dominated them. And now I'm thinking, what do we do now? Is it Wilson or or or, or White? Or White. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to hear your opinion. Wilson or White, pleasure to talk to you. Give me 10 seconds on your response. Bye. Talk to you next time. <laughs> Bye. Talk to you Saturday. 5 to 9 on Saturday. Okay. Uh, it's it's Zach Wilson. That's the only way he's going to get better. And I know that's a very short answer, but it's Zach Wilson moving forward. Thank you to all the callers. I could not have done this without you. I love coming here and talking with you all, every single one of you. If you missed any portion of today's show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature. Select the start of the show, 7.30 p.m. At 9.20, Ralph Vacchiano, NFL insider for SNY and SNY TV, covering the Giants and Jets, joined us live Great job to Paul Rosenberg behind the glass. He's playing jokes on me now. And also to Rich Ackerman and Bob Usler on the updates. I will be back with you guys Saturday from 5 to 9 p.m. You mark that down. In the meantime, at Coach MCCARTAN, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And we'll keep the conversation going from now until then. The Steve Summers up next on WFAN. Enjoy the Jet game on Thursday, everybody. Sports Radio 101.9 FM.